0: And now,
1: weighing in, out of the blue
0: corner, Josh the Punk Thompson. 100%. And on the other side, he weighs in. in from the red
1: corner, big John McCarthy. Nice.
0: Well, good day, everyone. It is time for the Weighing In Podcast. The real punk, Josh Thompson, and I, John McCarthy, are here to talk about the highlights in combat sports that I think I just killed Misha Tate, I took her head <laughs> off. This is bad. <laughs> My Christmas right. ornament went
1: bad. <laughs> just destroying stuff in the house, as always, as Miss uh, McCarthy says. He just can't seem to keep things together in the house. Just- All right, guys. Hey, go to uh, the, the link down below. Hit that link. That'll take you to our Wayne Interjection Show on our Wayne and Extras channel. And that clip right there, taught, we talk about the Islam Makachev fight against Dariush. And, and the potential outpour, outcry, or not outcry, but the outcome of outcome. that. Outcome. Outcome that they will lead to what? As well as uh, Kevin Lee getting cut. So you guys enjoy. It's a short little uh, show that we do on our Extra channel only. So you guys can uh, click that link down below. That'll take you to our Wayne and Extras channel. And you guys can watch that show. It's a great little show we do for you guys. All right, John. Well, let's, uh, let's get this thing pumped up and let's get it started, my man.
0: So now we're going to bring in the two-time Olympic gold medalist, the two-time PFL champion, The one and only, the one that is bringing all of this news about the 145-pound division making a lot of waves, it is Kayla Harrison. Well, we are lucky enough to have the two-time Olympic gold medalist, the two-time PFL, lightweight champion, the lady that is setting the world on fire in MMA, undefeated, talking about possibly making a change because she wants to fight a couple of those other big studs out there like Chris Cyborg and Amanda Nunez. We have the one and only Kayla Harrison. How are you doing there, girl? I
2: mean, I'm in great company, aren't I? So I'm
0: having a fantastic. Woo, look at that! I, I can't just. You just
1: with made that. Josh smile. Shit! I got blushing a little bit. <laughs> look, my dimples are coming through. Look at
0: this! Oh gosh!
1: <laughs> oh man! Look, um, you know, you train an American Top Team. Amanda Nunes is there, but then I also see you train, you know, um, with Austin Vanderfer, some of the Bellator fighters that are there. What kind of, cause there is, like you said, there is buzz there. Not like you said, John said there's buzz about you potentially thinking about exploring other options, which is smart. You know, the, that, uh, free market, you know, agency, that type of stuff, checking out what, what you're worth, checking out if you can get more money. That's always very smart. Um, what have they told you about Bellator that has made you kind of consider whether Bellator be an option for you or not?
2: I mean, I've just heard nothing but good things. You know, I, I've, I don't think that I've heard a fighter, go to Bellator from another promotion and complain. Um, And that's across the board from Austin to Johnny to Kyoji. Um, You know, Kyoji's got a big fight coming up this weekend. I think, you know, everyone seems very happy there. And I've heard nothing but good things. They also have happen to have one of the greatest female featherweights. I think she's the greatest featherweight of all time. Um, So they have one of the greatest fighters there of all time and, um, I met Scott. He was very nice, cordial, seems like a s- smart guy, sharp guy. Um, so I'm excited. You know, I think that it's another great um, window for me, another um, just another doorway for me to, to check out and, and look at the options.
0: I, I got to ask you this because all the time we talk on this show about fighters being smart with their contracts, about looking for the most money. That's why you fight, all those yeah. things as far as, Look, this is about being able to get through your career and have money to live on for the rest of your life. And you did that from the get-go. Congratulations. I love it. It makes you smart. That's exactly what we're talking about. But I got to ask you, you've got that background and that competitive Mm. nature of you. Is that possibly going to draw you away from what is more money for you Mm. to satisfy I hate to say it. It's your ego because it is your ego and getting the fights that you want.
2: Yeah, it's tough. You know, I, um, I say this a lot, but what people don't realize when you see me getting these big paychecks and these big paydays is that started when I was six years old and I walked onto the mat for the first time when I was you know, 12 years old in middle school and all my friends were having pizza at lunch and I was having a plum and a spinach salad and like, you know, skipping home ec class to go to the gym and lift. And, you know, it continued when I moved to Boston at 16 and left behind my family and friends and everyone I ever knew. And I had $5 in my bank account. I had to work 50 hours a week at a hardware store. I had to wake up before school because I was still in high school, go train, go to school, go to work after school, go from work to training, train twice a day, wake up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m., do it all over again. So, you know, I was smart about getting paid because I knew that I earned getting paid, whether or not people realize that. I, I put in years of hard work scraping by. Being, being an Olympic athlete is not um, – you don't do it for fame. You don't do it for money. You don't really do it for anything other than the desire to be the best at what you do and to stand on top of a podium and represent your country – and feel that gold medal go around your neck. So yeah, I had to be smart about it because I also don't have a college education. Uh, I didn't want to flip burgers at, you know, Burger King for the rest of my life. So I guess getting punched in the face for a million bucks isn't so bad after all. Um, (laughs) but that, but yeah, this is another, the other big, the other, the other part of that question is, yeah. Um, you know, one great fear I have is I've been poor, you know, I've been dirt poor. I've, I've lived off of nothing. And I've been hungry at night when I've gone to bed. And um, I don't ever want to be that way again. I also have a family now. I have two kids. I have to keep a roof over their head and clothes on their back and food on their table. And that's a responsibility that is the most important responsibility to me. Um, aside, you know, my ego doesn't hold a candle to to the pressure of that responsibility. But this is why I have my coaches and my advisors in my corner. You know, I think that from Dan Lambert to Mike Brown, to my judo coaches, Jimmy and big Jim, to my manager, Ali, the gym manager, Richie, um, they all have my best interests at heart and they all have an opinion on what I should do. And I'm going to take their advice seriously. And despite what I may want to do, despite what I think I'm ready for, I'm going to have to listen to them. And if they say jump, I'm going to say how high. So this is the part where I've done all the hard work. I got everyone paying attention to me. I've, you know, won every fight in the first two rounds um, this year. I've made a little bit of a statement and, and now it's time to to do what they think is best.
1: So that, that goes to my next question is you've been able to walk through everybody. Like you said, everyone under two rounds or in, in the two round mark and you're making a ton of money. You're winning the million dollars. You're you're making a lot of money per fight as well. Why? 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 Why even bother entertaining other issue like entertaining other things? Why? Like just keep doing what you're doing in the way uh, class you're doing it. What's no, that? I mean,
2: that's that's something you can't really describe. It's something you can't explain. I mean, I've had this, I've had this itch, this burning fire inside of me since I was six years old. You know, a lot of people wanted to grow up and be a doctor or a firefighter or a singer or an actress. I grew up wanting to be the best in the world at whatever it is I did. Um,
1: John's had that itch too. And I told him there's medication for that, but it's <laughs>
0: it's a good, no, itch. it's a good. I just itch. Wanna,
2: it is. It is. I just want to test myself. I just, I just want to, um, every day I wake up and I want to be the best possible version of myself. And I want to go to sleep at night knowing that I put, everything into the day, whether it's being the best mom, whether it's being the best dishwasher, whether it's being the best fighter, daughter, whatever it may be, I, I I wanna leave it all out there and live a life worth living. I don't wanna wake up every day and live live the same day for 50 years, you know? I have a desire to test myself against the best and I think I also have what it takes, you know? I believe in myself. I believe I can be the greatest of all time.
1: So it, if that, okay, so here's the thing you you know what I'm trying to get to is you train with someone who you just said is the best featherweight in the world
2: no, no you she's, a, yourself. she's you the t- greatest female fighter of all time I said cyborg female the okay
1: featherweight. okay okay. so cyborg is the greatest featherweight of all time as of now right now and then amanda nunez is the greatest featherweight right now
2: the greatest, okay. Period. The
1: greatest period. period okay so then if you're if we're having this conversation you train with her you yeah. know what you can do against her yeah like isn't that's not enough validation for you to say like, "Hey, I know I can probably beat her" or I, I mean, know like,
2: I mean everybody knows that fights are different. You can't yeah. say that. I, I mean, do they do they claim Olympic champion if they throw me, you know? Well, I <laughs> do would I? Might, I might do I my would, I'm telling you right now. <laughs>
0: it's over. I am the worst if, there. I mean, if I do something it like does. that, I stop. I say champion of the world. I walk <laughs> off the mat. It is over.
2: I started I mean, asking you where my medal is. That's what I start doing. That, my medal? Do. Austin has said that to me before. Yeah. He's, tried, he's tried some funny shit and said, oh, where's my gold medal? Uh, TOG to yeah. too. They're all full of it.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: It's practice. Practice is practice. You know, Under the bright lights is where it counts. And fortunately for me, I think I shine brightest there. So I well, thrive the pressure.
1: That, and you know what? You're just validating everything that I've said for generations. Of, of There's nothing you can do in practice that will mimic the real deal. You know, no, and that's no,
2: nothing. That's why nothing. I was so upset when PFL took a year off, you know, because I'm like, listen, I'm in the prime of my career. You can't, you can't emulate this anywhere else. I don't care how many rounds you spar. There's nothing like that. You have, if you want to get better, you need to compete. I mean, that's in judo. I was on the road. I lived out of a suitcase mm-hmm. my whole career. It was from one tournament to the next, to the next, to the next. I went to so many. Uzbekistan's and Kazakhstan's and China's and this Been and that and you can't even yeah some crazy I mean, places great, but yeah no <laughs> to Uzbekistanis. God bless
0: oh, I think you know our whole thing that we're we're talking about you you've taken a different path and a different road than other fighters based upon you you came in with that background similar to what you know when when Gable Steveson was looking at where he was going to go. He's a, he's a different package, just like you were a different package when you came into the sport because you had attained something that most people can never get, and you did it twice, which is amazing. Absolutely amazing. But when you take a look at the sport, especially when it gets into ladies that are of that 145, because you've been fighting 155. How hard is it going to be? I know you did it with Invicta. How hard is it for you to get to the 145? And is it something that you can consistently do show after show?
2: Yeah. I mean, I walk around at about 160 to 165. I woke up at 160 this morning. Um, I, I do think I can make it in a healthy manner. Okay. I don't think I can make it four times a, a year in five and a half months, like for the PFL. I just don't think that's reasonable. And, and um, I think it would take a major toll on my body and on my performance. I also just don't love cutting weight. I don't believe in it. I think it's kind of a it's nasty yeah it's na it's shitty, it's stupid. It teaches kids the wrong message Like, and I was always taught that if you wanted to win, you'd win at whatever weight you fought at. It didn't matter um and I just like I enjoy food, you know I love God bless you, food. so do I. <laughs> <laughs> Just look at look at Big John. It's
1: Come pretty on, obvious baby. he enjoys food. It's, <laughs> Doritos. He's like that's why we were watching triad, triad is Dorito the Dorito chips. chip ring. Come on, all man. he was thinking about was food. That's actually,
2: really, it's, yeah. Who doesn't love Doritos, man? Come on.
1: There you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's probably like a, he's probably vegan or
2: something. Uh, he strikes no, me as a vegan. no. He's don't put me
1: vegan. in the vegan category. <laughs> don't put him. In the, don't put me there. Don't do me like yeah. that.
2: He Um, definitely goes to
1: Starbucks and gets like a chai latte. Oh, no, 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 no. John knows I like my coffee, just regular coffee.
0: (laughs) So let me ask you this. You were at the last Bellator. You watched Chris Cyborg and her performance against Sinead Kavanaugh. What did you see in her that you go, yeah, that's what I expected. What did you see that you go, ah, that was a little bit different than I expected. Or was it just exactly what you thought?
2: Um, Number one, I, I... she fought how i expected her to fight you know she's very um dominant she's kind of a bully i would say that's a, that's not in a negative way that no, no. she she comes out and she instills her will right away um which I, from history i kind of knew was what was going to happen the only thing that surprised me was after the fight when i gave her a hug I, I was i was wearing heels though so maybe it's not the same but i was surprised she wasn't as big as i thought she was going to be i know she walks around her I've heard that she cuts a lot of weight and is a little bit, everyone always talks about what a beast she is, this, that, and the other. And she's, she, I mean, she looks jacked obviously, Mm -hmm. but I was like, oh, it's one of those things where you. You make it grander than it is. Yeah, of course. You like you, you glamorize it. You dramatize it. You, you make them out to be King Kong and you want to take out King Kong. You want to, you want to take him out. But I mean, she's just another human being. She's just another human, just like me
1: what um when like john was talking about when you saw her fight and you when you gave her a hug afterwards and that feel of like this could potentially happen like how how close are you really to are you thinking about leaving the PFL i mean like i know you're talking about with ali and your management is it because th- is there a talking conversation about you potentially not being able to fight at 55 anymore and then maybe maybe them wanting you to go to 45 because you've wiped out the division like I think if I'm a promotion, I'm just being honest. If I'm a promotion and going, okay, we're going to keep paying her a ton of money to beat people that are not on her level. We need her to go to 45 and you not being able to, like you just admitted, like, I don't want to make 45, four times in a year. Like, it's just not my, my it's it's
2: not even four times in a year though. It's four times in five and a half months. You know, I just, I just fought four times in six months. Most fighters don't fight four times in a year. Sometimes they don't fight four times in two years. So we're not. And listen, I'm not complaining because I believe in the PFL. I believe in the format. I believe in the season. I believe that uh, in a meritocracy, and if you want money, win. If you if you want the glory, win. If you want the belt, win. And every year it starts over. I, I I am I'm the one that said that's how it should be. You know that's one of the reasons I didn't like MMA. I said it's too, you know, it's trash talk. It's this. It's that. I don't want to have to be pretty. I don't want to have to talk. I want to just go fight. I want to do my talking inside the cage. And PFL created that. They created an amazing place for fighters to go and be in control of their legacy and control of their destiny. So no, I'm not in a rush to leave them. I love the PFL. I believe in it. I feel like we have grown together. I I helped build that promotion and they built, built me into what I am today. I have no ill feelings towards them. I have no, I'm very happy there. Um, So it's really about what my coaches and my, my advisors think is best at this point, because I'm in a very unique situation where I have a lot of opportunity in front of me. I have, I I really do, um, multiple organizations and just, you know, I feel very blessed. I feel very honored that I'm in the position that I'm in to kind of choose what I want to do and, and. I don't take that lightly and and that's why I have to listen to them because I will say, I will happily stay with the PFL. You know, I, I'm very happy there. I don't, I have no gripes with them. Um, I agree. I get it. You know, you got to bring in tough competition, which is something we've talked about, which is why they signed, um, Julia Budd. And I think they're working on some other fighters, which is why they've broached the topic of cross promotion with Bellator and Cyborg, um, which I think may, Maybe could happen in the future. So I'm not saying I'm leaving the PFL. I'm not saying I'm going to Bellator. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, it's really all up in the air right now. We'll see what happens.
0: Well, as a selfish individual, which I am, I'm just telling you straight out. I want you to come to Bellator. Okay. Because I think that you would have some fantastic fights there and you and you and Chris together. That's what people look for those type of matchups because of your skill set, who you are, what you've accomplished, her skill set, same thing, what she's accomplished. Those are the mega fights that don't come around that often. And so they are special and, and everyone, anybody that loves this sport wants to see that. My my question is this you you've had, you know, Dana White has said some things about you should stay where you're at, and that and that's fine. You know, he can a lot of people are going to put a lot into that big deal. Doesn't matter. But when you look at, if I was going to ask you, Kayla, what is it that's most important to you as a person? Is it making the most money? Is it having the recognition of being the best? Or is it kind of a combination of, well, I want both, but one's more important than the other.
2: You know, I think it's. Um, I think it's honestly not even just that. I think it's my legacy. I think that it's. Obviously, I have a very selfish desire to be the best.
0: That's not and, selfish.
2: I mean, it is. You do it just for you. You don't do it for. I mean, it's not curing that's cancer. A, that's it. Not a, curing ind- cancer. I do it because I. I do have an ego. And I do want to prove that I'm the best. So you were right when you said that, but I do have that. I also, I'm a human being and I want to make a shit ton of money for sure. Like who doesn't, who does, who wants to go to bed wondering where their next meal is going to come from? I would love for my family to never have to worry about money again. You know, I would love to take care of all the people who've taken care of me. Um, but I think more important than both of those, honestly, to me is my legacy is what I do with it outside of the cage, is how I carry myself, is how I raise my kids, is how I pay it forward, is what I do with the platform that I'm given. Um, and the bigger I get, the bigger my platform becomes, the more I can change the world and make it a place that I'm I'm proud of. So it's, it's neither. It's my legacy. It's what I do with all of it.
1: Yeah. It, I just, I look at, no, so no, oh, no, 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 no. He's hard. I'm, I'm not I'm not going hard on <laughs> the pain. I'm I'm actually I'm actually with you hundred percent. You said it's your ego, but I and you said you're selfish. The thing is though, is that in individual sports, whether it's judo, whether it's boxing, MMA, it you have to be. we're selfish people. You have to, you have to be. be selfish. No, of course. Because it's it's only you in that cage. It's only you on that mat getting the job done. Sure, your coaches can yell things to you, but it's up to you to get it done. And so you have to be selfish on what you think is best for you. So you're not saying anything that really should surprise anyone right. in terms of the money situation. Like, just I've always said this. I thought Eddie Alvarez is probably the perfect example. He, he all he's ever done is gone where the money has been the highest paid, and that's yeah. brilliant on his part. You know, yeah. um, and I, I love the I love the idea of where you're going, especially because. You are, you are new in the sport. Sure, you came from the judo background, but you're new in the sport. But you have, you have great management in Ali. You've got great coaches in American Top Team. They understand exactly because they've dealt with the sport itself for so long. Your guidance is definitely 100% in the right direction. Is there a reason that you would choose? For me, I feel like the reason would be for you to choose Bellator over the UFC is because you do train with Amanda Nunes. Is that fight with Amanda just not
0: really in the market for you? No, I wouldn't say that at all. Okay. That right there says everything I need to know about you. (laughs) It is. I'm just being honest. That is the mentality. It's like, hey, I I can be your friend and I can beat the shit out of you too. Okay? Absolutely. Because Josh and I are friends um... and I beat the shit out of him right now because God knows he needs it.
1: Kayla so he, he fell on me one time like a tree that was it that's all he did he oh, beat me up yeah. he just tripped and, and I was underneath oh, man, he's him like lying
0: stuck. Some, he tripped he I have it on video the
1: that he's I've, the got got it, I've got champion. it on video Kayla
0: a referee he, takes him down was, and just holds in there and slaps him
2: it was like Timber, Timber. <laughs> Timber. he just fell on top to, me. I'm gonna have to see this
1: footage we're gonna have to oh, run man, they it they
2: have it, it. They we're have gonna have to have a Charity match of some sort, I think. He just fell
1: on me and almost killed me. All we do is fight in elevators
0: now. (laughs) It's
1: (laughs) the best time. The only time we're we're usually walking back from the club, not the bar. Oh my god! (laughs) Can you imagine me carrying Big John? He's got one arm over my shoulder. I got to stumble in the elevator with him. Honestly,
2: I have major respect. If you guys go to a club, I can't even. Oh, okay. Oh no, we uh, don't go to clubs. God, Does no. John look
1: like he goes to a club? God, uh-huh. no. The no.
2: thought I, I am, too, awesome.
0: old, I am I too, to- too old. I, I'm a granddad, man. I got grandkids. I, I ain't going too. to no <laughs> damn thing. John's out there cutting it up at the dance club.
2: <laughs> I could see it. I could
1: see him busting it. I, a move. Totally I him bust it. Move, move. All right. Okay. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, so, my question is this is, and you can take this how you want, do you feel like you need somebody like a Chris Cyborg or a Mana Nunez? to validate your legacy.
2: I mean there are a couple different approaches, right? To uh, to a legacy. I think in my particular case, could I retire undefeated and never fight them and be whatever, 50 and 0 and be considered you know, one of the greatest? Maybe am I going to fight 50 fights? Probably not. So do I need, do I need these, these females, these women, these legends of the sport? Yeah, I do. Just like a couple of years from now, the next young hungry up and coming killer is going to need me. Okay. And it's a rite of passage. It's part of the sport. It's part of life. It's part of everything I've ever been a part of. Um, so I, I do think I need the Chris Cyborgs. I do. I think I need them more than they need me. Um, I'm not. I I feel no harm in saying that. I, I think it's the truth. I, I'm always a pretty honest person. And that's the greatest compliment. I've said it a million times, but it is the greatest compliment I can give to them is that I want to fight them. I want to become them, you know, and I hope someday someone says they want to fight me and they want to become me. That That's the greatest compliment you could give me.
0: I think you're right. I think that's a a fantastic way of looking at a fantastic way of just making people understand. This is my way of saying, I respect you. I respect what you've done and and I love it. Let me ask you this. As far as you've put all this work into being, you know, this very good MMA fighter, You, you were an incredible judo player. Now you're an incredible MMA fighter. What is tougher? Judo, MMA or mom?
2: Is that a joke?
0: No, because I'm telling you right now, moms are tough.
2: No, no, moms, hands down. Being a mother is the scariest, most overwhelming, most underappreciated, most uh, exhausting, exhilarating, joyful, sorrowful, highest of highs, lowest of lows job. Than I have ever had. It is the scariest thing I've ever done. Nope. It's also the most rewarding thing I've ever done. I've never, you know, if you ask me what, what meant more to me the first time my son said, I love you, mommy, or my gold, the gold medal that I have, oh, I, know. I don't even know where it is. Is it, I, I don't, even, I have no idea where it is. You know, it, that would be my son. You know, no. there's just the day I adopted them. Um, I don't know if I've ever felt such pure. Joy. I can't, I mean, words don't even do it justice, you know? And it's, it's the toughest thing I've ever done for sure. The scariest, most overwhelming. And 90% of the time I'm scared shitless that I'm doing it wrong. And that I'm
0: like, you're you're not alone.
2: Is is this the way you're like, but, um, I, I don't know. I firmly believe everything happens for a reason. I didn't know how empty my life was until I got those two babies. And my life has never been better. I can it te- really hasn't. I
0: can tell you this. Look, when I, talk
2: my- shit and I look exhausted, but it's like a happy, <laughs> it's an exhaustion. That wasn't, that wasn't <laughs> labor I of, love. labor That's it. of love. Labor That's
1: it. You tell them. I, I, I forgot the first thing you never, first off the first thing you never tell ask say to a woman is that you look tired. <laughs> oh, just, you don't say that, and you know, and I obviously overstepped right from the get go. It's so okay. Oh, like, you did it! Oh
2: my god, relax! Like, oh, oh my gosh, no, you're, not, you're not on trial here. <laughs> I mean, you can tell me. You can tell I me I look it. tired. I'll tell you. I think your hair looks goofy. It's all. good. Oh, it's, it's, the way, it's the way
1: it grows us. Eyes the way it grows up nothing i can do i about.
0: will tell you that and this is the truth my, my oldest son is older than you he's 35 years of age my daughter is the same age no
2: sir yeah really
0: oh yeah when when my when Wait. my when and he's this is
2: how old are you he's almost 80 <laughs> <laughs> look at
1: him can't you tell the sharp, he's got the sharp, the sharp a, you are the like sharp horrible. chin you know you know droopy from there
0: just because i said you had three chins tonight look now You've you're trying to go with that all right I, I will tell you this, and it's the truth. When my first son was born, you know, they put him on a thing and he grabbed my finger. And the first thought mm. that went through my head was, anyone tries to touch my kid, and it could be a mm. four year old, I will punch you in the mouth right now. Mm. And that's it. Mm. And I'm telling you right now, it never changes. And they will always be a worry to you. They will mm. always be something that you're concerned about. And they'll always be the joy of your life.
2: Yeah. So. It's, um- it's a pretty amazing feeling too, just to see them thrive and to you know they. I adopted them, obviously, so I didn't I didn't get that the experience of having them hold my finger or or, or any give birth, giving. Birth they to hold them, your finger now. They do. Oh no, they've got me wrapped they got- around their fingers. <laughs> now what they do.
0: That's what grandkids um, do.
2: No, I've kind of I run a tight ship. We we have we have we have a good system, but I will tell you that watching them coming from the trauma that they've come from and watching them flourish and watching them thrive and watching them become fearless and, um, seeing them grow, watching the joy on their face. You know, I I'm teaching my son, Emery judo and watching him learn how to throw somebody and how excited he gets. And Kyla, you know, when she first moved here, she couldn't, she was terrified of water. Now she's doing front flips into my pool and like, Seeing all of that, I've never felt I've never felt it makes me feel better about me making them better, you know, if that makes any sense. Like I I just it's just such such an amazing feeling. And you're right, I would absolutely kick the shit out of a four year old. There you go, that's my girl. I I mean Yeah, Uh, no, don't mess with my kids. But everybody knows, so it's all good. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I'm sorry, but if your mom is, you know, a two-time champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist, I'm not really getting, bringing my kids a whole lot around them just in case something does happen. I'm not trying to get my ass kicked off <laughs> hard pass, you know, it's, uh, especially like if, if I'm like a former fighter, but I'm a lot older and I'm like, okay, now she whoops my ass. Now, how bad do I really look, right? Oh, definitely not. No. Kids, kids, <laughs> stay away, stay away, stay away.
0: <laughs> I saw, dude, I saw her steal, take steal looking at Austin stealing Paige Van Zant and saying, you ain't doing nothing. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> I love it. I love
2: it. I'm. I'm. Uh, Paige and I are. Austin's jealous for sure. Austin, <laughs> uh, all he does is like sit in his underwear all day and play video games uh, and fight. No. <laughs> so I'm like, Paige, honey, come here. Look, I have my Christmas tree up. We can make cookies. We can go shopping at Target together and drink wine. Like, you don't need him.
0: There you go.
1: <laughs> let's let's get back. I want to get back to the American Top Team training situations. Talk to okay. me about about your about some of the people you train with there. Talk to me about the chemistry in that gym. Talk to me about just the coaches and how it all and and how it all works. I mean, like a lot of people, like should we talk about them? You know, when fighters are fighting from your from those from that camp, we talk about them in high regard. But hmm. people want to know the the behind the scenes a little bit without giving too much away. Okay, because that's not what we're doing here. <laughs> but let's uh, let's I mean, but I know. No, let's let's be honest. Like it's you guys have something that's really special there. Yeah, you know, whether it's Dustin Poirier, whether it's, you know, Austin Vannaford, whether it's yourself, you know, Amanda Nunes and everything else that goes into that, Joanna, and everyone Absolutely. else that's there. You guys Absolutely. got a great, a great camp out of there. Talk to me about that camp.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. You didn't, you missed one accolade when you introduced me two times this, two times that. You forgot team captain of american oh. happy so <laughs> i'll forgive you guys this one. So there you right. go my bad, um, my bad my bad, my bad.
1: <laughs> no
2: honestly i thought that
1: a... would have been all sorry no. <laughs>
2: oh I, my I, god just... have you seen his life and his story oh, you, love... a team optimist is someone who leads by example and he does all the right things not oh, all man. the wrong things to get to the right things <laughs> i okay. love
1: masvidal man he's an og he's a he one, he's no, one. He he's one of my He's one of my all time favorites, man.
2: He's an amazing human too. He's just, he's one of those guys who walks in the room and just brings the energy up. You know, you, you train harder when you're around him and he brings out the best in people. And, um, it's an honor to share the mats with the likes of him, with Dustin, with Amanda, with Yoana, with, I mean, I could list with Austin, with Paige, with Kyoji. I mean, Kyoji is literally the best fighter in my opinion, of this generation. You know, that's how good he is. People have no idea. Um, and I think that we're the best for a reason. You know, number one, we've been around for a long time. Dan, you know, aside from being obsessed with pro wrestling, is also obsessed with MMA. <laughs> He's a nerd. He can't. Oh, he
0: is a nerd. Um, yeah, so is those, our producer. Those like you
2: watch or build giant MMA gyms <laughs> to have people come straight at. Um, so we've been around for a long time. We've made a lot of mistakes. You know, they've had a lot of drama and a lot of bullshit and a lot of craziness happen. Um, but they've also developed a system and a winning system, in my opinion. And they have some of the greatest minds on the mat. You know, my coach, Mike, this guy is, is he's a psycho. He's, he's phenomenal. absolutely, he's absolutely obsessed. If he was independently wealthy, if he won the lottery tomorrow, he would not, he would be at practice the next, you know, at the same time doing the same thing. He watches every fight. He he has these like breakdowns of like inch by inch of fights and players and 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 fighters and techniques. And he's always evolving, always changing, always growing with the sport because the sport is constantly evolving in in the most rapid way. That's why one of the reasons I love MMA so much. But you have people. I mean, and that's just one guy. You got Anderson. You got Conan. You got Pahupa. You got Steve Bruno. You got I mean Gabriel. mako you know i mean everybody okay
0: mako's crazy just so everyone knows okay let's just be honest steve mako is crazy i love the guy he's awesome mako Monday. And, and you also he is actually you also the got mo law out of- there now
2: sorry say that again yeah, you
0: also have king mo out there
2: oh yeah of course yeah things. king mo yeah absolutely uh, that's what i mean we just have this entire just friggin' smorgasbord of, of knowledge, you know? And I think it's also a beautiful thing now in the sport of MMA we're to the point where we have coaches who did MMA. We don't have boxing coaches. We don't have just wrestling coaches. We don't have just, you know, we have coaches who fought and that's something that's really helping the game develop even more rapidly because once you've experienced that, once you've been inside a cage, your knowledge, your wisdom, the ability to, to see things changes completely. So, yeah, ATT's the best. We're always going to be the best. We're going to end this year with a hell of a high note. I'm very excited for all the fights we have coming up. Um, I'm the team captain, though. Don't ever disrespect me like that again. That's
1: all the <laughs> Hey, John introduced you first, so blame it on him. Well, that's man. It, I Blame it on me. Lead, right? All right. Um, okay, so. I got yeah, to ask you this.
0: All right, so all this stuff, good stuff happening in the gym. You're doing great. At the end of 2022. Tell me where Kayla Harrison is where she's at what she's doing Doesn't mean Alice, I not say oh she's going to be at this promotion but fight wise everything where, where where do you see yourself just in one one year
2: What am I right now 12 and 0 I'd like to yep. be 15 and 0 okay. 15 and 0 16 and 0 um, probably sitting in the same spot talking about free agency or <laughs> or the next contract or the next fight I mean, I'm probably going to be or getting ready for my last fight of the year. Who knows? But I mean, listen, th- this is the other thing that I've learned is that patience is a virtue. It's one that I don't really possess, but have learned with children. I'm becoming <laughs> very zen. We do a lot of deep breathing uh, in this house. You know, we oh, do yeah. a lot of... <sighs> <laughs> I already feel more grounded. No, um, feeling good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I'm not expecting any vast giant changes, giant jumps. Um, I think that I'm slowly building. I think that, um, I'm a force to be reckoned with and I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other, taking it one step at a time, one fight at a time, one round at a time, one minute at a time, one breath at a time. And I think that I will be so good that all of you guys can't ignore me. And it's just going to keep building and I'm just going to keep climbing and climbing and climbing and I'm going to get where I want to go.
1: Is there a deadline for you to make a decision on whether what promotion you're going to potentially go to? Because the PFL runs again. <coughs> what they'll start when? July, June, July, June. I think
2: March or March. Okay, so
1: let's we'll say March. They start in March. Like are you trying to get a deal done possibly before March, so you can if, if you know you know well, you don't I'm, jump I'm into something. I'm trying to
2: get a deal done before my last fight ended. Uh, like I'm, I want to get a deal done before the end of the year. I'm not one of those people who can rest on our laurels and be happy with. Um, yeah, I don't stop to smell the roses. So I would like to have a deal done, um, sooner rather than later be a giant Christmas present to myself, uh, possibly, but again, patience, trusting my advisors, trusting Ali, he's doing the work, he's doing what he does best. Um, everybody's talking about me, I guess, whether it's good or bad, they're talking.
0: (laughs) Doesn't matter. (laughs) And we say it all the time. We talk to fighters and they'll get all mad about like social media. It's like, why are you listening to people that want to be you? They're Mm. they're only, Mm. they're all losers. And so they want to try to bring you down. It's like, don't worry about what any of them say. Just know who you are and where you're going. And that's all that matters.
2: Absolutely. I used to be like that too. I used to be like that too. No, I used to care a lot about what people thought of me. I used to put a lot of emphasis on it, but I realized something. And just through personal personal growth, I think age um, plays a big part in it. I, I watched a Brene Brown special. She's actually a spiritual gangster. But I realized just dropping her in there in case she ever wants to say hi to me. Um I realized that I I am the man in the arena. I am the person who is out there daring greatly. I am the person out there who is saying, yes, I want to be the best. And if I fall, fuck it, I fall. But I'm going to dare to be great and I'm not afraid to say it.
0: You're bringing up Teddy Roosevelt. God bless you.
2: Exactly. The exactly. Loan. Teddy Roosevelt. Exactly. The man in the arena marred by dust. Not and the blows. critic
1: that counts.
2: It's not the critic that counts.
1: Well, John so- and Teddy are the same age, so our <laughs> voice <guess it> counts.
2: <laughs> We're close. We're close. <laughs> uh, that's
1: funny. But you if you're how, not you see in how the we arena, get along Kayla, you see how we get
2: along. Yeah, I dig it. All right. I'm getting it. I'm getting <laughs> it. But that's my whole point. If you're not in the arena, if you're not daring to be great at whatever it is in your life that you have a passion for, then your opinion doesn't mean shit to me. And that's 99% of the world because everyone's so afraid to to step out of their comfort zone to to be uncomfortable, to be to be tired, to work hard, to not sleep, to not party, to not drink to not hang out with their friends to not be on their phone everyone's so afraid to get out of that bubble that they never dare to be what they really want and that's not me so i don't give a shit what you think about me
1: that's good i like that i like that because that
2: leads i I also don't care if you like it or you don't (laughs) of
1: course of course not no it really comes down to it i think a lot of a lot of parents are dealing with this right now um with the fact that like the kids are on the phone. The kids are on you know, not just on the phone, making TikTok videos or watching TV or just getting sucked into this thing. I just watched one of Rogan's shows and he had on uh these two guys that were talking about the the social media dilemma and all that stuff they just went back over and hashed it all and just seeing exactly like how this affects children not just children but also adults and how it shapes their way of view and the the way they view not just each other but people and but even their family members as well as other countries and it becomes it becomes a very negative thing so i mean it's it's good to see that that athletes they have to understand they got to stay away from that type of stuff if they want to stay focused on their goals and their goals need to be to be the best
2: i mean not just me but my kid like when my daughter moved in with me she was absolutely and this is not a knock on my my mom or anyone my mom's older she you know but she was absolutely addicted to her ipad she would wake me up on the weekends at five o'clock in the morning mom can i play my ipad Mm -hmm. and i started reading about it and i started looking into it and i'm starting seeing all this you know uh, insomnia and ADD and the blue light and this and that and the games and all that. And I'm like, absolutely. We're not, you know, I didn't have an iPad. I didn't have a cell phone until I was in and I get it like, Oh, on my day, this, that, and the other, but my kids don't watch TV. We watch TV when we're on the plane. We, we watch, we have a movie night on Friday nights. We have a family movie night. But during the week, sometimes Saturday morning cartoons, depending on how hard training has been throughout the week. (laughs) But during the week, we don't, we are not on electronics. And that includes me. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not on my phone at the dinner table. I'm not scrolling, you know, not paying attention to them. The most important thing you can be for your kids is present. And that doesn't mean I'm there playing with them because God knows I've got laundry and dishes and um, I mean, it never ends. But I'm not ignoring them to check out whatever's going on and they're not on their, they're not on, on electronics. TikTok, we're outside, yeah, yeah. we're riding bikes, we're swimming We're this or that. Like I just don't, um, uh, nothing good has ever come from <laughs> social yeah. media or electronics or My daughter, she asked me for a cell phone for Christmas and I was like, you are absolutely <laughs> insane. I told you, you can have a cell phone when you can drive. That's only so I can know where you are.
1: Yeah. I have I have a gym and I have a big kids program for wrestling and jiu jitsu and a lot of the parents here in the Bay Area because I live in near San Francisco a lot of them have these new watches that are made by Verizon and it gives them three numbers and they can actually call you from that so there's nine one one they good. have your cell phone and another cell phone there's like three cell phone numbers they can go in there and they can actually call you from their watch so that's they don't, awesome. need, they don't need to have a phone with it it actually that's that's awesome. that is the watch and it has three numbers in it as well as nine one one. And they can also text from it too, but it's a talk text.
2: Oh, that's so really they, cool.
1: Yeah. So it's a cool little gadget they have here for the, um. you know, it's through Verizon, I believe is what it is. So yeah, I know. A that's lot one of, of the first things
2: I made Kyla do when she moved in with me. I was like, what's my, we're going to memorize my phone number and we're going to memorize mm-hmm. our address. Yeah. It's like, it's like little stuff like that. You don't even, I don't know anybody's you know. phone number by heart anymore, yeah. but I I mean, I still remember my, my household number from when I was seven. Right. You know, like, cool. <laughs> You've been di- you remember the little dial tones, right? The Don't, even talk. Okay, Don't do even talk. Don't even talk. Big John remembers this.
1: No, 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 no. John has the one that you hang it up still. Like the one that you like this has a little knob oh. put it with the cord. You crank it. Yeah. You gotta crank, you crank it, it, baby. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just like uh it was there was just someone on the other line. You said, Yeah, put me through to, you know, Echo nine
0: five five five. Jeez, man. <laughs> That's awesome
1: um, okay. So I guess, I guess realistically for, for us, John and I are both selfish. So we want you to come to Bellator. Of if course you don't, but I mean, I am also not opposed because we have seen it through Bellator with their cross promotion with Ryzen. I'm not opposed to the cross promotion with the PFL. I think it would mean yeah. for some really fun fights. I'd love to see like, a. If we not just yourself fight, you know, cyborg, but I'd also like to see other fighters that you guys have, Clay Collard fighting sure. someone like a like a Peter Queeley or sure. you know somewhere along these uh, these lines. You know, you have a lot of top. Like, I mean, Ray Cooper. I'm sorry, man, but I'm a huge fan of Ray Brother Cooper. And watching <laughs> and watching him for fight, sure. you know, watching him fight a Douglas Lima would be just a great fight. The legs yeah, could sure. handle with it. The boxing definitely would be in Ray's favor. I think a little bit, but they both have power just great rest. They're both good. I think I would love to see those type of fights.
2: No, I mean, it's always exciting to to yeah. test. Hold, to it, test hold
0: it. Hold it. Brada Cooper would have to go against another guy from ATT. would have to go against Amazon.
1: No, no. I'm saying, let i be honest. I want to pick and choose
0: the fights, John. Okay? <laughs> let, let me live Yarslav, in my world, yeah. John. I want to pick and choose my Yarslav. fights. No, you can't pick. That's why you it's sit like, in that room. You don't get to pick anything. Geez, Kayla man. and I are going to no, pick.
2: Yarslav, that's another guy who's just an amazing, phenomenal Phenomenal teammate, brings up all the energy in the room. Doesn't talk much, but just a whole different level when it comes to fighting. A, yeah.
0: a guy it a whole lot of people him. have no idea how good he really is.
2: No, no, he's a killer. Yeah. No, he's a killer.
1: Yeah, it's fun because we talked to Austin about him. We talked to Johnny Eblin about him. We've talked to Dalton Ross. All those guys fight at 185, and they just talk because he's a 170-pounder. Yeah, They're like, damn, he's so no, good. He's,
2: he's very good. You he's, know. he's very, very good. I get to watch those practices. But see, here's the thing. he's He never very, really wrestled a
1: whole... He never really wrestled when he was younger. He really just came up a little bit in the Sambo era, but then not really being a real... A, a, a,
2: Do you know what his superpower is? His superpower is, is being able to, first of all, stay calm and composed, but to keep a, a 60%, 70% pace throughout the entire fight, you know, he's touching, he's touching, he's hitting, he's, there's no power. There's no like explosion. There's no big movements, but he just keeps this excellent pace and he could, he, he can do it all day. I've watched him do it all day. I've watched him keep that pace and break people down and, and out wrestle them, out grind them, outwork them. Um, and he is relentless when he gets to that takedown. I mean, he's going to get it. We drill the, his, he has this, uh, like a, pickup that he does from the single leg Mm -hmm. to the body lock, it's, I mean, I'm still trying to learn it. He showed it to me and it's like, how did you get so good at this? It feels so hard, but he makes it look so effortless.
1: Yeah, he's got some of, like, he's taken down Ed Ruth, a three-time national oh. champ from Penn State. He out-wrestled Logan Storley, who is a six-time state champ. I, I mean, like, I wouldn't say it... he out-wrestled Logan Storley, but he, there was moments there where he out-scrambled him to get to the top position. And that's just unheard of because all the, all the stories, and I've trained with Ed Ruth because Ed Ruth was an AK when they were fighting. But all the stories I've heard about Logan Storley training with Usman and other guys out of that Sanford MMA, is that he's the best wrestler in the gym and he's just one of the guys that just puts it on people and he has yeah. his way with a lot of guys when it comes just to the wrestling aspect of it. Not yeah. MMA fully, but I'm saying the wrestling aspect. And he had moments, Amosov had moments in that fight where he was out scrambling, out wrestling and making Logan Sturley work so hard for the takedown yeah. and then not getting it, just mentally breaking people. Yeah, it breaking, was yeah that's what I
2: mean. He can break you. He can break you with his, he just keeps this like composure, this pace, this like...
1: Why do you it's, feel? Why do you feel like someone like him doesn't get the the credit he deserves? Why is there not more buzz about him? He's got the best record in all of MMA, the whole sport. I know. I know. Of active, of active fighters, twenty seven zero now.
2: I think he. Uh, I think you know one of the reasons that Khabib is so great is is because he learned English. You know, he wasn't Thank afraid you. to to put himself out there and to even if it's broken English, people want to see you trying especially our society. You know, we're very arrogant. We think that we know everything and you should speak our language. Hold it.
0: Hold it. We don't. Um,
2: Well, I mean, I do. Okay. There we go. Um, I've been,
1: I've been working with Mr. Know-it-all for a long time.
0: Oh yeah. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Um,
2: So yeah, I think, I think these, these uh, young up and coming fighters uh, where English isn't their first language. I think it's super important that they learn English um, everywhere most of the world teaches English at one point or another. So,
1: so we think- talked, we talk about Amosoft. We talk about Kyoji. Both of those guys are phenomenal. That are out of American
2: top team. Kyoji speaks great English, by the yes, way. Yes, he, he does. does. Asshole. All right. <laughs> he, when he moved to, A- I'm just going to tell Kyoji stories. So when he moved to ATT, he was so quiet, so shy, so uh, respectful. And he started hanging out with Dan Bad move. Bad move. And then you start hanging out with Dan, Richie, and Mike, and Mako, and me. And now this guy talks more shit than all of us. (laughs) And it's like subtle, subtle, subtle. He's hilarious, though. No, I love Kyoji. He's one of my best friends. So it's but it's you know what it is it's
1: when you're winning fights the confidence grows and that means the shit talking grows with it it just keeps going it keeps his going English
2: has got better He listened to all of us he was dead silent for about a year and then once that year was up he was like all right i got this now oh, so you're fat you're this you're that you're and i was like oh, okay okay thank man. you very much
3: no. what do you there's th-
0: another guy what do you what do you think of his fight coming up against sergio
2: oh my god i'm so excited i'm so excited if i didn't have kids i would be at that fight okay but babysitter is <laughs> tough to find. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mostly because my kids are Is it
0: responsibility like, a bitch?
2: <laughs> it really is sometimes. <laughs> like, but it's a great bitch. It is. Um, no, I'm I'm so jacked up for it. I think that this is finally going to help uh, raise Kyoji's star power and, star, and, and level so that people finally take him very serious and understand that when he was in the UFC and, and where he is now, He's a complete. it's like a completely different beast. He's a completely different animal. He is a, he is a samurai. He is the last samurai. Okay. He's fucking amazing. That's it.
1: There's, there's another guy in your guys' gym is Alexander Shabley. He trains with, yeah. with those guys. And now I've got a chance to train with him. He came to American, uh, American, he came to American kickboxing Academy, AKA, and trained with me over there for a while. And, uh, he's got good wrestling. He's got good boxing, you know, kicks yeah. pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah what should what should people look out for him and he's fighting this weekend as well on this this bellator card
2: (laughs) i don't know as much about him yet he's a little quieter Mm -hmm. um but i tell you what all of those guys that come to the gym i don't have everybody they're all super respectful they're all super super hard workers uh he's pretty shy. Like he, I've tried to like talk shit to him a little bit to like break the ice, but he's kind of like, mm, mm, mm. yeah. Um, but I think he, I think again, he's just another one with untapped potential. And I think that people don't really give them, it's hard, right? Like we, like if people aren't talking about you, but you're 27 and 0, does that mean that you? it doesn't matter? Like yeah. To me, I'm like, I don't care if I'm 27 or no, I know I'm the shit. So like, why does he, why why should Yara... He has the belt. why should Yaroslav care? I think this is another kid who like if he if he continues to do well like he's doing, um, and maybe does he he doesn't speak great English, I think. Because he it's doesn't it's okay.
1: Talk. Yeah, it's broken, it's okay.
2: So I think if he learns some English, ooh, he could be I mean, unless he doesn't have a personality, so who knows? He could be like a I don't know talking about him. I'm I'm not
1: going to talk. No, no, it's okay. No, I've I've had opportunities and trained with him and stuff. He's you know he's very. No, I think he's
2: I think he's another one. I mean, this is the problem is like they're. How old is he? He's pretty.
1: He's got to be twenty six, I think twenty somewhere in there. But this
2: is what I mean. They they just keep getting better and better and better. better better. Yeah,
1: they're starting at a young age. They remind me a little bit of how Roy McDonald when he exploded onto the scene. Yeah, you know, um, he's twenty eight years old. Oh, that's Am- that's Amasoff. I was looking for Alexander Shabley there, podcast Dave. Um podcast no, Dave they... pulling up the wrong guy again. Not listening to the conversation Unbelievable. again. I'm <laughs> wow, um, telling yeah.
2: wow. <laughs> so, spent-
1: you. Know, I, that's the thing, though. Rogan can turn and go, hey, pull it up, Jamie, and Jamie's listening to what Rogan's saying. But you know, Dave. He's
0: also 28. He's also 28. So, just <laughs> he's, so also 28. He's, yeah, he's also young. 28.
1: He's also
2: 28. So now good. apologize to Dave for talking Dave. all that shit. He's also yeah, exactly. 28.
1: I will never apologize to Dave. <laughs> I love it. He all he does is give us a hard time. He's the guy that shit talks the most when no one else is
3: on. Honestly,
2: Dave is my favorite.
1: I mean oh, really? I
3: just, oh, there I you
2: go. just, I just let you sit
3: here and talk the whole time. I wasn't talking shit about how you looked. I wasn't
0: talking
2: <laughs> I know, that's why he's my favorite. He would be every woman's favorite. He's quiet, he is agreeable, <laughs> doesn't say anything.
0: Because when he talks uh, you think it's English, but it's not no it's not it's scottish i don't know what that is but it's, it's even better even- you can't
2: understand him it's even better i don't, don't want to know. know no i'm just kidding <laughs> i don't want
1: to know what he's going to say no uh yeah i know alexander shabli he's good he's tough he's fine no, sure. as well he's a talented kid i think a lot of them i think not just with Amisop, but with shabli as well as any other fighters that come from other countries they have to learn like you said with Kyoji. once he learned how to speak english or got more comfortable speaking english his stock grew, not just his stock, but then amongst the yeah. gym it makes it a lot easier to, to yeah. help build, help you build your, I mean, the guy sharing. bought a house,
2: the guy yeah. bought a house in Florida, you know, he's making it his home. Yeah. He feels comfortable enough now in our society yeah. to, to live here full time. This is, that's what I mean. Kyoji lived there. The dorms at ATT are literally named Horaguchi Hall. Okay. That's how <laughs> impressive he is to all of us that's um, i swear to god Horaguchi hall it says it right there he also yeah. lived there for like ever Yeah, just like a little monk like i train <laughs> i eat i sleep i train i eat i sleep that's it like just ridiculous let me
0: that's let me awesome. get back i want to get back to you as a fighter oh you had all of the it's all about you kayla
2: it's all about you <laughs> until 6 30 a.m there, it's there you go
0: but you had all this experience with you know judo and coming into you know the Olympics and all that stuff. What was the pressure like in a different fashion from, we'll say the Olympics, the highest level you can get with judo since you had done it so many times to when you first stepped in the cage of MMA?
2: Oh, man. Um, Well, first of all, there's just no, there's no pressure quite like the pressure of an Olympic final. Um, To train your whole life for one day, um, to also, you have to remember my first Olympic final and American had never won. We'd come close, but we had no no American had ever won a gold medal before. So that kind of pressure, I I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure I'll ever feel it again, maybe, but to step inside of a cage for the first time, I was like, Oh my God, am I absolutely like, I must be batshit crazy. Like, why am I doing this? Like you, you, It was one of the scariest things I've ever I've ever done. You know, it's uh, you train, you fight, you spar, you you're working on all these things. You're trying to get better, and like you're locking yourself in a cage with another human who's trying to take your head off. Like when I really when that door closed, like I was like, what am I doing? Who? What? Why did I? Haven't you done enough, Kayla? Like, is this really? This is what you're gonna do now? You just you want to get punched in the face and. That's the other thing in MMA. Like I fought the same okay. girls over and over and over again. Right. In judo. Like yeah. you fight the Brazilian, you fight the Japanese girl, you fight the whatever you, I mean, my record, I fought the same 20 wow. girls for years and MMA pretty much. It's a new girl. Every fight, And you have no idea. You think, you know, based off of looking at their fights and based off of watching footage and sizing them up at weigh-ins, but you really have no idea. And that's a scary thought for me. Like the unknown, not being able to control, like, well, what if I do get hit? What if I do get kicked? What if I do, how am I going to handle that? That was so scary, so intense. So the pressure wasn't there, but the intensity was there just because it was like, oh my God, this is... You got to be absolutely insane to do that. Like who, who do you think you are? What are you doing?
1: All right. Well, I'm going to wrap it up with this. My <laughs> last question is going to be this. How many times have you thrown out Austin Vannaford? Come on. Oh my be
2: real. I don't even know if we could, <laughs> Do I have enough fingers and toes? <laughs> oh, <that? laughs> there it is. <laughs> this is great. I love <laughs> it. Big trees fall hard. All right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here's the, Okay, now I'm going to touch it up with one more. How many times is Kyoji taking you down? Oh, my God. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, she's giving oh, me no. the bird. I love it. I love
2: it. I mean, he's, uh, oh. a special, Kyoji is a special human. We'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a special human. Human. He's a wonderful Oh, man. I really want to ask Kyoji if he's ever been armbarred by a girl. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Oh.
0: I'm going to ask you uh, that in a fighter meeting. Hey, I got a question.
2: No. Do you think a girl,
0: think a girl could ever arm bar you? Not
2: before the fight. Not before the fight. <laughs> Don't do
0: it before the fight.
1: That's messed up, John. John trying to break his constitution. Oh. Uh, well, He's hey, Kale.
0: John, do you have anything else? No, the only thing I have to say is, hey, Kale, I just want to tell you thank you very much. You are awesome. You're awesome oh, as a nice. fighter, but as a person, as a mother. I'm so proud uh-huh. of what you're doing. You know, you're making other people's lives special, and that's awesome. And uh, Thank you so much. You're going to be you. special wherever you're at. I hope that I get to see you in the Bellator cage because I think that fight would just be incredible. But you're a beautiful person inside and out, and your skill level is fantastic. So thank you for coming on the Weighing In Podcast. We hope to have you back sometime. Yeah,
2: thank, thank you, you s- guys so much. I will tell you, you were fantastic interviewers. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. Thank Mostly you. because of John. A little bit yeah, because of John.
0: Yeah, baby! Wow. That's what happens! Go ahead! You trail, right. trail.
2: I, feel the, I feel the knife in my back. Like, yeah. the, one who, <sighs> the one who stole my heart was Dave, obviously. Oh, geez. oh
0: no, oh, geez. I just lost it.
3: Yeah, you lost it. <laughs> it's over, it's no, over. Thank
2: you guys so much. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. You guys are um, very influential in the sport of MMA, and uh, you know I have a very high respect for both of you, so thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Same respect thank back. You. I just want to wish you luck being the coach of the girls soccer team.
2: Yeah. Oh you <laughs> hear my voice? Yes. It was absolute chaos. Good then, luck with that. That might be harder than hurting cats. Seriously. <laughs> <I'm> not joking. <laughs> oh. Definitely
1: All right. Is. Well, we're going to leave you with that until next time. Good luck. And hopefully we find out
0: soon where you end up. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kayla Harrison showing that, you know what? Someone who has been so successful in everything they've done in the martial arts, two Olympic gold medals, coming into the PFL, being an amazing fighter there, undefeated. But really, I think where she takes the most pride there, Josh, being a mom, being someone that is there for for the other people and stuff. She's she's someone that's special.
1: Yeah, the mom takes the boat for sure. You know. T- But the thing is, she's also very prideful about being the team captain, you know, an American (laughs) top team. If you look at everyone that's there, that says a lot about her character, not just her character, but her work ethic and everything else that comes along with that. So there was that. She had a lot of great things to say about a lot of Bellator fighters, as well as some of the UFC fighters that are training there, as well as the coaches. So she is someone that was willing to pat everybody else on the back to let everyone know out of her team and out of her camp how good they are and what they mean to her, not just her, but to the gym and the facility itself. And it says a lot about her. And I think, I don't, John and I, you and I, we both were talking off air before and we talked a little bit to her about it. We would love to be selfish and have her come to Bellator because like I said, it would validate how good she is. And we would love to see that fight. A lot of people would. Is it realistic for her to go and fight Amanda Nunes knowing that they're teammates, knowing that they know each other? It's not realistic. Let's be honest. I mean, she would potentially get there, but you know the UFC is going to have her fight someone like a Jermaine Deron or somebody else in that weight class at 145 before she gets to Amanda. You know, they I think they're going to maybe try to test her and try to get, you know, I wouldn't say get her beat, but try to really get her tested before they try to put her in front of Amanda. Now, put, having her go to Bellator, it would make sense because she, like she kind of hinted and I actually asked her the question, do you need that validation? You know, you're not going to get it from Amanda because you're your teammates, you're not going to probably go there. But going to Bellator, there's some validation there. Fighting fighting Chris Cyborg, that lets you know that she's the one or two if she beats her. You know, if she doesn't beat her and she has a great fight, she's potentially number three. Like that that validates everything that she's been leading up to in terms of her legacy. And so she had a lot to say in, those, in that, in that uh, aspect of talking about her legacy, talking about, you know, where she would like to go and who she would like to fight. And it made sense as long as she makes the right decision for herself and her family. And like we've always said, go where the money is, because this thing will not be around long. You know, you're, it's a short lifespan. She's already a two-time uh, Olympian and gold medalist. And, now, you know, it's like uh, a medalist in terms of now, like making as much money as you possibly can to carry on for the rest of your life.
0: Well, if you, so I if, wish her nothing but the best. If you take a look at everything, she has nothing to prove, Mm-mm. but she does want to prove things to herself still. And that's that's what makes her who she is. So
1: Well, it's it's not hard to say. She's a very strong female. <laughs> she's a very strong female. Yeah. And I don't just mean physically. You can tell mentally, yep. Uh not just, you know, mentally, physically, all around. She's got a very strong character. And um, you know, we wish her nothing but the best. And I think we're gonna eventually see her again. I think we may see her in the Bellator cage. Maybe not this year, but maybe sometime soon. I'd like to see that fight happen and hopefully we will soon.
0: There you go. All right, let's talk about Triad Combat. We want to talk about the Dorito chip. All right, go to mybookie.ag.
1: Use that promo code in. There's a lot of sports that are happening right now. There's a lot of things to gamble on, a lot of things to put your money down on. If you use that promo code in, they're going to give you a little extra spending cash with that QR code right there if you guys... Click on that QR code. They're going to go ahead and bonus you up a little bit. Get that little extra bonus money for you to go ahead and bet on things that are coming up. We've got Bellator has some great fights coming up next week. We also have the UFC's got a huge pay-per-view coming up as well. And now outside of fighting, which I know we talk about fighting, you also got a little bit of thriller going on tonight. If you guys want to check that out. There's other events as well. So, if you're talking about football, basketball, any of those things that are coming up, you guys can bet on those. Like, my Chiefs just beat the Dallas Cowboys. Hoorah! We're going to play the Raiders again. The Raiders just beat the Dallas Cowboys. So, now there's going to be a little bit of grudge match going on. I like to bet on my Chiefs sometimes. Sometimes. Hold <laughs> on.
0: Did you bet against them
1: on the Dallas Cowboys? No, I didn't bet. <laughs> I didn't bet. <laughs> But if you go to mybookie.ag, use that promo code weighing in and that QR code right there for a little extra cash, you'll be able to make a little bit more money, spend a little bit more, and listen to John and I when we talk about fights because we'll give you the in-round bettings as well, as well as just what fights we like and who we think may potentially come out on top. So go to mybookie.ag, use that promo code weighing In.
0: There was the triad combat. I think it should be called the Dorito Championships because the ring looks like a giant Dorito chip, and they should get Doritos to sponsor that ring. It is made just like a Dorito chip, and if you're me, you know all about Doritos.
3: Thank
0: you very much. (laughs) John, (laughs) all
1: kidding aside, this was hands down the best event that that Triller triad... Yes. This is the first triad one, but this is hands down the best one that they've done. Now, don't get me wrong. I was really into the, the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones Jr. fight. That would to me was just, you know, it was more nostalgic. It was for Mike me. Tyson. Like just, yeah, it was Mike Tyson and Roy Jones. You know what I mean? Like that was something I really enjoyed watching. But the rest of their shows have sucked since then. And not one, I can't think of one fight that I went back and saw. And I was like, God, I won't see that again. No, not one. This card though, I've got to, pa- I've got to tip my hat to them. I've got to say, congratulations. They finally found a little niche. It's not quite bare knuckle boxing, and it's not quite MMA, and it's not quite boxing. It's a it's a hybrid of a new thing that they're doing, which is great. It's the MMA boxing, which I like. I like a, it's almost a little bit of what one does with their Muay Thai over there. A little they bit. have them fight in a cage. They have them wear MMA gloves, and they fight Muay Thai. It's all on the feet. I love it. I love that style. There's not as much uh, glove to block and protect your head, so things get through. This has that feel to it a little bit. And it, it's it's a it's nice man. I like it a lot.
0: I, it's fantastic. It's as far as when you're looking, if you want action, that the the Dorito chip actually there's not a lot. You can't get caught in one of those corners. You get caught in one of those corners, you know you got problems. There's no way of really getting out. It's a bullying your way out. But there were a couple of fights on there. I thought Derek Campos came out and put on a show. I thought Mike Perry put on a just a ballsy performance against you know a guy that was. A more skilled fighter, but he took what he does well. He bullied him around. He pressed the action. He took a lot of shots. He got knocked on his ass with a big shot, got up from it, which I was really impressed from. There was some really good performances by certain guys, you know, in on that night. And so overall, if you're looking for what are you looking at for a success for Triller being the promotion of Triad, it's the best full card, best show you have done so far so maybe you're learning yeah i think that the there's fights
1: on that card to me like with mike perry excuse me mike perry mike perry had a great performance he looked really good i mean he got clipped a little bit here and there a little bit yeah he still has a good chin. (laughs) he's a dog he came in he's the type of fighter that people are looking to watch fight in those type of events you know someone that still has a little bit left in the gas tank you know, and still has power, still has a good chin, can still bring the action. He's that kind of fighter. Derek Koppos, to me, had fight of the night. That fight was hands down the the best fight of the night. Not just that; it was one of the most exciting fights I've seen in a long, long time in terms of just boxing. Period. And it was it was fun. They were ripping the body. They were getting after each other. They both took some hard licks. It was yep. it was hundred miles an hour from beginning to end. When Boss Rudin said they can't keep this pace. Like they were like Boss the minute was in, wrong
0: and Boss and was I love really Bogs, wrong my
1: man <laughs> it was really wrong because in that in that last round they were still gunslinging man and I loved it Derek Campos I hope you found a little a new Avenue for yourself outside of MMA because this was awesome it was great to watch you fight in there and I'm gonna tune in every single time you every time you fight in this in this Dorito chip whatever it is but I loved it man I really did like I I, I gotta tell you guys this kind of turned me on a little bit it kind of turned me on. It, I got a little bit of a wood looking at this thing, going, "Man, this is going to be kind of weird." But as they started gunslinging, I started realizing these guys got dogs in their hands. They still got a lot of left, a lot of fight left in them, and it was it was a good night of fights. When I sat down and started watching these back to back, now let's let's look on the flip side, John. The the co main event and the main event, dog shit. And I love both those guys. They're great people, Frank Mir and Matt Michiron. But the fight, the fights themselves, they should have never been in there fighting. Like I don't know what it is with the heavyweights, but these guys, they don't. There's, they're done. They should stop fighting. Both of them should stop fighting. Okay, the fight itself was horrible, you know. And I like both of them. The I like both of them as people, but oh, they're yeah. done. They've got. They shouldn't be fighting. They shouldn't be doing MMA. They sh- do do grappling matches. Well, Frank can. Okay, but <laughs> Matt can't. But it's like. This is not for this is not for them. You know this this style of fighting is not for him. The MMA gloves and boxing stand up was never Frank's forte ever. And I know he wanted to challenge himself, but this was not a good look. You know we can get into the Dan Merglia stoppage and all that stuff too. But it he didn't. I mean, like it just not boxing is not for Frank Mir. Grappling is. I'd like to see him do more grappling if he can. Matt Mitrione boxing supposedly was like your thing. Like you're a stand-up guy. Every time you got taken down, you complain about stand uh, grapplers and wrestlers always just taking you down. But guess what? You had it's not a great. You didn't have a great performance. You didn't look good. You looked exhausted after round two. You know you slowed down everything, and then you just kept wrestling and grappling, which is fine. It was in the rules. You could do that. But you had no activity either. No body punching. No gritty, uh, you know, dirty boxing style, Randy Couture style. None of that was there. It was a. It was a really bad showing. For that for the co-main event and the main event, it should have been flipped where you had Mike Perry and you had Derek Campos in that co-main or that right in that little mix there. I understand the name value, but it yep. just wasn't the, the the show started off with fireworks and ended up
0: with duds. Yeah, I'll agree with you that the last fights were just not they weren't they weren't good fights. But you you knew and I knew going in, and we talked about mm-hmm. you know they, they set Frank Mirror up as far as not. I can't, I shouldn't say it that way. They didn't set him up. Frank knew exactly what he was going into and he signed on for it. He was talking a lot about if I get a win, I'm going to get more money. And it's like, and I love Frank and I would do anything for Frank. Uh, he's been my friend for a long time and man, he's not fighting a bum and he's not fighting a guy that's past his prime. He's fighting a guy that just fought for the heavyweight championship of the world in boxing you know, against Anthony Joshua just a couple of fights ago. All right. I mean, this is a real dude. And when you're talking about, yeah, is there a difference in the, in the rule set? Yeah, but it's still boxing and you can't have a guy that's that good at boxing in his prime coming and stepping in against a guy in the MMA that was never a stand-up guy. Yeah. You know that was his forte in MMA. You know Frank was known as a grappler and he got by with his stand-up and it got better as his career went on, but it was still never that, you know, devastating of a stand-up. And so you look and you said, well, we got exactly what we expected. You know, in my opinion Triller, they paid for a train wreck and they got the train wreck, you know, and and luckily it got stopped without Frank getting hit again. We can talk about that whole thing, but it was part of that was when you know Puliev is being just a sportsman and he hits him when he hit him with the right hand, you saw Frank he was out mm-hmm. on his feet. And when when a fighter is bouncing off of the referee to gain their balance and then stumbling back again, the fight's over. Now I understand with Dan, Dan is looking at it and going, Well, Puliev is not attacking. That does yep. make it tougher. On you as the official, sometimes you just got to make the call. Yeah, you go. You can't fight no matter what. This fight is over, and uh, it was uh, it was what we expected. It really was yeah. as far as that with uh, Matt Mitrione. You know, brother, if, if you're going to go out there and do that, you got to get yourself in a position where you can go those rounds, all of them, hard. And it didn't seem like you were able to do that. You know, against a guy that, you know, physically, I think he matched up with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, physically matched up with him is just, you know, uh, cardio wise, when you get tired, you, you just, yeah. the output's gone. Yep. Uh, it, back
1: to the Dan Mariliata thing. <clears throat> I thought, honestly, I thought since uh, Puluev pulled Pulev. away, yeah, he yeah. pulled away. That that like you said, it made it more difficult because Dan's like, sure. look, if you're gonna give him time to recover, I'm gonna give him time to recover. Exactly. As soon as as soon as he stepped forward, is
0: when Dan jumped in.
1: So exactly. I know a lot of people were giving him like, flag. "What are you waiting for? What do you?" Well, he's waiting for his opponent to step Pugliev forward to start actually to come in him.
0: and look like he's going to try to finish him, but he yeah. didn't because he was kind of stepping away from him. So yeah, it's it's knew. in one of those. I think Dan knew it was over, but since puliev is backing away, he's like, "Well, I'm not going to just stop it. I'm going to give him a chance to recover." It's a way of thinking of doing it and stuff, but, you know, it was also more of uh, Ray Flores, the play-by-play, you know, saying something. What are you doing? And, you know, getting yeah. all, getting his his panties got all in a ruffle and got yeah. bunched up, and so it, it hurt him.
1: <laughs> Maybe they're nice panties. Who knows? Maybe they are. It's okay. <laughs> all right, Dave, let's get into something else. What else you got?
0: All right, so upcoming
3: this week. We have on December third, Bellator is back with Bellator 272, and it's Sergio Pettis versus Horiguchi.
1: All right, guys. So look, we have talked. We talked several times about some cards that we said, look, I'm going to be very honest with you. This this card to me is going to be one of the best cards of the year, which it should be. It's the year end, you know, card for Bellator. It should be a stack card. It's all the fighters that are on, under contract that need to get those fights in that we weren't able to have them fight as much as we wanted them to during the year and that's why the year-end cards are usually stacked not just for bellator but for the ufc there's fighters that have obligations to meet a certain amount of fight requirements and then those fights are those sometimes don't happen so the ufc and bellator and other organizations try to cram them all in to get all the best fights by the end of the year not to mention they want to leave the year with a bang because most promotions won't have another fight for a couple weeks they don't want to leave you high and dry off of a shitty show I've i've said this before This card, I think, will be one of the best fights of the year. One of the best cards of the year. There was, when we first came back in April after that long layoff, those first uh, three cards were stacked. Now, the first card was outstanding, the second card wasn't good, and the third card ended up being pretty damn good as well. So, when I'm, when I, when John and I talk to you guys, I know people think that we're being biased because we work for Bellator, but I want you guys to understand this is a pretty damn good card. So, when I'm looking at guys like Sergio Pettis, who's the current champ, he's really only the champ because Horiguchi relinquished the title because of the injury that he knew was going to take longer than a year to get back from. And so he, he ended up losing or not losing, but he forfeited the title. Juan Archuleta won the title, and Sergio Pettis and him fought for the title, and Sergio beat him in a decision. Great fight, back and forth. Sergio wins the win. Horiguchi is someone who is he had he was not beaten for that title for that Bellator title, and he beat Darian Caldwell for that title. So this fight to me stylistically, John, I think makes for a great matchup because you have a wrestler slash super fast with the hands. He's got power. He's probably the one of the most underrated fighters in the whole sport of MMA, as a lot of people are talking about right now.
0: Oh, there's no doubt about that. But when, And it's funny that, you know, you say the same thing as everyone else. Wrestler, sla- see this guy comes from a karate background. Yeah. That's where Horiguchi comes from. He came from a stand-up background. He has learned how to be a phenomenal MMA wrestler and a very good fighter on the ground with his submissions. But his, his background is in the stand-up, and you're taking a look at Sergio Pettis. He's the same thing. <clears throat> Sergio Pettis has finally, in my opinion, stepped out of the shadow of his big brother, Anthony Pettis, which look, he cast a very large shadow for a long time. And it's understandable why Sergio was always, you know, the little brother and he's still the little brother, but he's the guy with the bigger, you know, momentum and the guy with a better career at this moment. He's the real deal. And he does everything the right way. He trains his ass off. He's always in the gym. He doesn't do stupid things and he prepares for his opponents. He comes in with a game plan. He comes in with a plan B and he is he doesn't make any excuses. The one thing I loved about this is he said he goes, Yeah, I've got the belt. I'm babysitting it. Because until I beat Horiguchi, it's the way I look at it. He was the real champ. He had to walk away from it. And he you know, he's getting his shot. We'll see if Pettis can take him out. Horaguchi is a guy you got to love. A guy that dropped two titles, you know. He's he lost the the Ryzen title. He drops the Bellator, and he says, "I'm going to come back and win both of them." He's already won the rising title now. He's the rising bantamweight champion, and now he's coming after Pettis, and we'll see if he can get the second part of it done. But if you're looking at a guy who is as good as anybody in the bantamweight division right now, you know, Kyoji Horaguchi is just phenomenal in his. His fight IQ is great. The way he goes about getting himself prepared. He and he is just a trouble in every area of the MMA game. And so this is a great matchup. This is what you look for in a championship fight. And we've talked about 135s. This is the very best division in the sport of MMA right now with two of the very best guys going at it.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun because <clears throat> Horiguchi brings the speed that Pettis Normally, being the, sometimes being the smaller fighter, but when we, he came over to Bellator, he's like, look, I came up to, to Bellator because 135 is, is fine for me. He was killing himself to get to 25. He's like, there's no reason for me to do that anymore. He's like, my performances weren't feeling good there. Came to 35 at Bellator. He's been doing really well. Obviously, he's the champion, but he, I think the speed will be a factor. It's gonna, it's gonna, I wanna see how much of a factor it's gonna be in that first two, in those first couple exchanges. Because Horiguchi is extremely fast, not just with the wrestling, but with the speed of his kicks as well as putting his hands together. If you go back and watch that fight where he knocked out Tokoro, man, it was quick. He threw the little up kick, snap kick to the face that didn't land, then he landed the, brought the foot down, jumped right into the right hand and finished him off. Dropped him with the right hand, jumped on him before he, anything can be done. Fight was done and over. Yeah, same but- thing with Asakara when he did that. Same same type of thing. He just he softened him up with the leg kicks. Like you said, he's a stand-up guy. He's got power. But people just look at him as being like a, a jiu-jitsu guy or a good wrestler because he's shorter in stature. He's someone that's aggressive. He comes in. He mixes it up very well. He, Mike Brown has said he is probably the hardest worker as well as one of the most well-rounded fighters in all of American top team.
0: He's loved at American top team. Yeah. You know, everybody there talks about, dude, he's such a good guy to be around. He's so fun. He makes training fun. And he's there for everyone. This is, you know, when you're taking a look, you know, people remember Horaguchi when he lost to Demetrius Johnson. And how long ago was that? You're talking about close to five years now, mm-hmm. you know, four or five years with that. Horiguchi is so much better now than he was then. And it's just because. He's just better everywhere. His stand-up is cleaner. His grappling is way better. He's a handful, but I think with Pettis, you know, Pettis has done the same thing. Pettis is now a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He gets a lot of his training done with Lovato Jr. That's a good thing for him, and uh, I think this is a it's an even fight going in. Mm-hmm. Either guy can win. We're going to see who who's the guy that, you know, just does a little bit more, but it, this is a fantastic matchup.
1: Uh, Emmanuel Sanchez coming off his loss to Maz Burnell, but then fighting Jeremy Kennedy, who is, uh, look, he's good on the feet. But his last fight we saw, he was just wrestling after wrestling after wrestling, takedown after takedown, good ground and pound, good top control. Um, I think uh, Eric Sit- uh, Sitnik was talking about like the body lock. They call it the lasso. He just kept lifting him and taking him out, lifting him and taking him down. Can he do that to Emmanuel Sanchez? Because Emmanuel Sanchez is someone who has a very active guard, training also at uh, Duke Rufus's place. And so just that active guard that uh, that's like almost like the, the old school Anthony Pettis, the good from the armbar triangle position, very good at the sweep, very good at getting his back to the fence and getting back up. And Emmanuel Sanchez is somebody who will push that pace. Yeah, He will push it to the point where you break. But can he do it in a three-round fight? Because he normally fights – He's been fighting five-round fights because he was in the tournament at 145. He's been fighting five-round fights, and that catered to him because of his condition and his cardio. This is a three-round fight. He's got to get after Jeremy Kennedy really fast and be able to stuff takedowns. Otherwise, he's getting up losing a three-round fight like he did to Masbernau.
0: I think it's exactly what you're – the thing you have to look for is what made Emmanuel Sanchez successful. It it was the fact that he – like you said, the just the pace and the output – that he would come with the volume of shots that he would put on guys. That's what made Emmanuel Sanchez. And then when I watched him, you can't say anything about the Patricio Pitbull. He got caught. He got, got hit with a shot and then got, you know, choked with the guillotine that happens. But his fight with Mads Burnell, I saw a different fighter. I saw a guy that was trying to, he was trying to go for the knockout. He was trying to, to land the big shot. That is not what Emmanuel Sanchez needs to do. The knockout will come when you, hit a guy enough times that he starts to overextend to try to get past it, and then you'll catch him with a shot. That's what he needs to do with Jeremy Kennedy. If if Emmanuel Sanchez stuffs the first two shots that Jeremy Kennedy brings, he's going to start to get on a roll, and I think you're going to see that volume start to go. If he doesn't and Jeremy Kennedy gets those takedowns, Emmanuel Sanchez better be busting ass in trying to get himself back to his feet because if he just accepts a position, Jeremy Kennedy is going to just wear on him all night long. Yeah, I don't think he's, he's never been one
1: to settle in except no. the position from the bottom. But he's got to make sure that he doesn't just get comfortable down there thinking there's more time in terms of not settling in the position. But he's got to be active on sweep, submit, get up, submit, sweep, get up. He's got to make sure he's kicking him back and getting back to his feet. He can't just keep trying to attack submission after submission like we've seen like guys like Brent Primus do. Yep. And just watch the clock tick away as you're trying to hit submissions that are not working and being less effective, especially after you get sweaty. Uh, Johnny Eblen versus Colin Huckbody. Look, Johnny Eblen's the real deal. Undefeated, trains out of ATT, trains with Dalton Rasta, undefeated. Austin Vannaford, undefeated. Jaroslav Amasov got the best record in all of NMA at 27-0, undefeated. And Johnny Eblen's undefeated as well. All four of them train together, all four of them in Bellator, all four of them undefeated. All four of them are stud wrestlers and all four of them are just nasty good when it comes to being a well-rounded fighter. Johnny Eblen's wrestling is probably some of the best in the division across the sport of MMA, not just in in Bellator, but now he's starting to realize that he's got power in his hands, but he's utilizing his wrestling to throw his shots behind it, which is beautiful. So he throws his punches, he throws his wrestling, and then he throws his shots or he throws his shots to set up his wrestling. That's what you should be doing as a young fighter. He hasn't got away from his wrestling. He's really focused on his striking just to improve his wrestling, to make his takedowns easier to get. Because if people fear your hands, the takedowns come easier. And that's what he's done.
0: Oh, absolutely. And he, he's on his third nickname. because has got to stop. you got to stop, buddy. Now he's diamond hands. I go, what, what the hell is that? He goes, well, I want people to think that I'm just throwing my hands because it helps my wrestling. It's like, yeah. okay, whatever you're going to do. But, look, he he is in against a guy that is a very tough and good fighter. And the one thing I'm going to say about Huck Buddy, look, this guy is an arm triangle master. This guy knows how to set up the arm triangle. He knows how to get you to move the way he wants. And all of a sudden, he has set it five wins. Out of five of his ten wins are by arm triangle, Josh. The guy is one of those a la Ronda Rousey with the arm bar. This guy is special with that arm triangle. So, If you make a mistake on the ground, he's going to set that up, and he's going to go for it, and he knows how to lock it in. And you know there's just differences in pressure. that guys that can, that squeeze that they can get, he's got that squeeze. So Johnny, his wrestling and his stand-up, I think he's the favorite in this fight, but he does need to be careful because I'm telling you right now, Huck Buddy, he's the real deal. He can fight.
1: Yeah, the, the guy that I think, I think of every time I think of arm triangle to me is one of the guys that I, I took mine away from when I started utilizing it more in the sport was Shaolin Ribeiro. Oh. He is, was hands down to me. He could hit that shit from anywhere. (laughs) He hit it from half guard. He hit it from inside the guard. He hit it from underneath. He did it from the standing position. He'd hit that shit anywhere and he was damn good at it. So when I started looking at the way he was attacking it against other people, I started trying to put that in my mind. Huck Body has a very similar style of trying to hit that yep. that that arm triangle as well. Um, uh, to me, Alexander Shabley is probably the one of the uh, another one of those most underrated fighters out there right now in the sport. Not talked about enough. Good boxer. He's got good stand up. He's got good wrestling, takedown defense. He's nasty t- on top. He's got great ground and pound. I've had a chance to roll with him, train with him, spar with him, do all of those things when he came over to visit at, uh, American, uh, American Kickboxing AKA. Academy. Yeah, th- he's at ATT AKA. right now. He's at ATT right now, <laughs> but at A-K-K- <laughs> AK. So American, American something, you know? Um, But he's good. He's humble. He's got great strength. He's got great power. He's got a great athletic ability in terms of all of the skill that he possesses. I think he's gonna. You're gonna see him start to catapult into that top five, top six with one or two wins, and they'll be talking about him fight for the title here pretty shortly. I believe that's how damn good this kid is.
0: No, he's real good. But the guy that I'm actually excited to see, and I kind of, I kind of tried to help bring him over, and the people are gonna say what they want. Oh, he's a UFC reader, Kai Kamaka the yeah. third. You, you know him well. I know him well. I think he's an exciting fighter. You take a look at what happened with him in the UFC. I thought he got ripped off in one of his fights and he got a, a bad uh, split decision loss, and then he got a draw when he lost a point during the fight. You look and you go, hey, mistake. But I'm glad that Bellator has him because he brings it. He's exciting. He's fun to watch, and he's going to go against another guy who, who's what I call a high flyer, a guy that does a lot of the flying knees and things like that, In John Jesus, a guy that you've had a lot of uh, good things to say about. You know, He's got the one loss against Aaron Pico that was a, just a devastating, right hand that folded him back like a scorpion mm-hmm. but that's going to be a fun fight also
1: can you click on john de jesus there for me dave he's he ex- super explosive but i'm trying to remember the russian guy's last name that he fought oh he just fought Kurobchenko. Kurobchenko. that fight was nasty that fight was so nasty he had a flying knee in there that i mean i basically decapitated him and I was like, man, this kid's going to be good. And I thought for sure he was going to be a hard time and a big problem for Aaron Pico because of the way he exploded on his on his flying knees. And we've seen we've seen in the past when Boric fought Aaron Pico. I know he's a different Aaron Pico now, but we saw wrestlers have a tendency to dip their head on the takedowns a la Ben Askren when they feel like someone leaves the air, let me grab their legs. Well, I thought he was going to be a problem. It wasn't a problem at all. Aaron Pico solved that problem real quick with that fight. But this kid's explosive. He's good. He's super quick. He's long-range punching, good kicking. He does a lot of things off cue in terms of he, there's no real rhythm or rhyme or reason on why he does it. He just looks like he loves to fight. And I'm excited to see him fight against uh, Kamaka because Kamasa's got to make sure he stays inside that range and smothers him and puts him to the ground. Dominates the top position if he can do that, but he's gonna be hard to get down. John Jesus is gonna be extremely hard because of his movement, his lateral movement, and all the things he does. He's really good at getting back to his feet and stuffing the takedowns as well. This makes for a fun fight. a Good entry fight for Kai Kamaka and a good fight for John DeJesus, you know, to get kind of get the ball rolling forward again,
0: back towards a title shot. Yeah. Well, he had that. He had his. The last fight he had was a win against John yeah. Teixeira. And it was yep. a really good performance, so just needs to stay on that same path.
1: Yeah, he's got to keep that ball rolling. Yeah. Um, as far as anyone else on this fight here, look, Mike Hamill's always fun to watch. Killes Moda is also a really good, fun fighter to watch as well. The two of them are pairing up against each other. That's going to be a fun fight if you guys want to watch a fun fight. That's going to be a good fight. Uh, Dan Moret is coming off that win off of... Uh, he's a dog. Yeah, he's a dog. He's He reminds me a lot of um, the kid from the PFL, the one that beat Anthony Pettis. I oh, just brought him up, Clay Collard. Clay Collard. He reminds me a little bit of him. Just kind of comes forward, throws big shots, gets takedowns, that type of stuff. Um, Spark, uh, Spike, Spike Carlo. He's good as well. He's a dog as well. That should be a fun fight. But of course, my boy Kyle Crutchmere doing his thing. He's got his hands full. Oh, I, does he? He's got his hands full. He's got his hands full. But that wrestling is going to be key because I believe all. I look. I've called a lot of Oliver camp's fights. He still got a little bit of that baby fat, but I've seen some recent pictures of him Not now. anymore. Not anymore. He's leaned out. He's put on a little bit of muscle. I'm interested to see how well he does against someone who can wrestle with the pedigree of Kyle Crutchmere because he's active from the bottom with his jiu-jitsu, and he's good when he gets on top, and that long-range striking, and throws wild and crazy stuff, and he doesn't fight at a pace. That's the thing. He's someone that just keeps going, and he picks no. up his pace and goes. It just doesn't stop. He keeps it going. Kyle's going to have to slow that down. Because one thing we've seen with Kyle, the more he has to wrestle, the more he slows down as the fight goes on. Because it's exhausting to wrestle. Even if you're a good wrestler, it's a lot of energy to to, to expend and getting takedown after takedown after takedown. So he's going to have to control that top position if he's going well,
0: to win. I know that Oliver has been out in Las Vegas. He's been in a syndicate with John Wood and uh, been doing a lot of wrestling. Been doing a lot of submission training. Mm-hmm. And look, he's got a great <clears> submission game. He is nasty yeah. on the ground. You know, he pulls off – He's There's something about the guys from uh, the European countries of Sweden and and Denmark and stuff that love the Japanese necktie because he's another guy Mm. that has gotten that. So Crutchmer's got to figure out what he's going to do. If he's going to be in that top position on the ground, which I believe he needs to be, that's where he needs to put the fight, but he needs to be busy. He cannot just be holding on. If he's just holding on, things are not going to work out well for him. End camp's the real deal. End camp at this point is really starting to, to hit that flow, man. He's he's feeling it. He feels good in the cage. He's having fun. And so this is a tough fight for Kyle Crutchmer. That's true. All right, Dave, let's get into uh, the UFC fight card. All right. Yes, see, here we go. Boom. Let's talk about th- from the beginning, man. Rob Font against Jose Aldo. This is the this is the this is the one that's going to make or break Rob Font right here. This is what he's been this is what he's been fighting for. This is what he has been doing all of this great work for is to get this type of fight to show exactly, hey, all these guys that don't think I'm the real deal, I'm going to prove to you I am. And it's for Aldo to say, not yet, son.
1: I'm going to say this. I'm going to go towards the old dog. I'm going to go with Jose Aldo. <laughs> right from the beginning, I'm going to say Jose Aldo. But on one condition, if Jose Aldo starts off kicking early, if he starts kicking that lead leg, he starts kicking that in, that calf, I think it's going to change the dynamic of this fight. Rob Font's a good kickboxer. Don't get me wrong; I understand this, but the power that Jose Aldo possesses in his kicks, I have not seen another guy. Give me another guy that kicks with that type of power in that in that weight class, or even in the forty in the fifty five pound weight class. Give me somebody that kicks with that kind of power.
0: Fazev. Fazev. Yeah, Rafael Fazev.
1: Yeah. But he's fifty five too. Yeah, he is. But I also haven't seen I haven't seen the effects from his kicks that I've seen from Jose Aldo when he starts getting off on the kicking. We've seen general. You also haven't seen Faziv
0: in a five round fight
1: didn't we see when he fought Bobby Green three, but still Great. I didn't see, I didn't see a whole lot there either. Like Bobby Green's got the wide stance and uh, Bobby, you Green is, more leg kicks. Bobby Green he's is tough, tough to fight, man. I understand he is. I <laughs> fought him. I know he's tough. He's a dog. I get it. I understand him, but I think Rob Fawn is phenomenal on the feet, but I'm going to go towards the old dog. If the old dog gets off early and starts kicking behind his, hiding his kicks behind his hands. I think Rob Fawn's going to have a hard time because look at this level right now, he needs to kick. That, that trial and error of just boxing is done. He needs to stop. He needs to stop just doing the boxing. I know he's got good hands. We've all seen it for gen- for over a generation now. We've seen it for ten, over 10 years. We've seen him with good hands. But everything was because of his kicks. His hands were more effective because of his kicks. His kicks. If you look at the Uriah Fair fight back in the day, the Chad Mendes fights, also the uh, Frankie Edgar fights. All of those fights, because of the kicks, were so effective, it changed the dynamic of how the fights were fought. If he gets off early against Rob Font, Rob Font will not be the same kickboxer that he's used to being if he if, he is, if his legs are getting attacked. And I think if Jose Aldo does that, I think he ends up winning this fight.
0: <sighs> I'm, 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 here's my problem. Is I, love, I love Jose Aldo, and he is just a phenomenal fighter. But, but... <laughs> the longer the fight goes he's tending to to ah. slow down a little bit and it's a 5 round fight and f- font brings the pressure and font doesn't get tired there's one thing I, I really you know love when i watch him he just keeps coming after guys and keeps that pressure up and he, and and if he can maintain putting that pace on aldo i think aldo's going to start to tail off and my my real problem is i agree with you 100%. If I knew that he was going to start and start landing that leg kick and start going after his legs early and sticking with it, I would say yeah, I think this is a fight that you know Aldo can win. I don't think he's going to do that because he's shown me too many times that he is either not starting off with it and then going to it in his third round or he starts off with it and then abandons it. Yeah. And I can't have him do that. He's got to maintain that. He's got to keep that as Something that is effective in the fight throughout the fight, and he tends to go back to, he's starting to just box at times. Yeah, and if he starts to just box, because even if he went for takedowns here, look for the takedown, get to the top position, he can do very well there against Font, I believe. But he tends to get into that boxing realm, and when he does, that's where Rob Font, I think, can take advantage of things. So it's it's a great fight. I, I look forward to watching it, but I'm probably going to lean towards Rob Font. See, Rob Font
1: puts the pressure, like you said. But if you look back at what Yair Rodriguez did to Max Holloway, Max Holloway puts the pressure as well. Those calf kicks and those leg kicks changed how Max put the pressure throughout the rest of that fight. Now, I know Max still came out and got the win. But that changed the dynamic of that fight. That fight ended up being a lot closer because no of those leg kicks. And if Jose can get after that leg early, like you just agreed to, if he gets after that leg early, it will change the amount of pressure that Rob Font puts on him. So the pace of that fight will slow down if he gets it done early in the, on the leg kicks. So yep. pay attention to that, you guys. Um, the next fight, Brad, uh, is it Riddle or Riddle? Riddle.
0: It's Riddle. Riddle.
1: Okay, I want to make sure. I've heard, I've always, I've heard someone told me it's Riddle or whatever. I'm like, okay, I thought it was Riddle, but.
0: I've, um, I've heard it said, they announced him Brad Riddle. Riddle, yeah, okay. My best friends and get the same spelling,
3: so I know it's Riddle.
1: It's Riddle? Okay. So, Brad Riddle, I didn't know where you had friends. I know I, we're just waiting to know that. but I know There's you know the like guy I was friends. talking about, uh, Rafael Fazeev. And Fazeev. Okay, so, look, Riddle's one of those dogs, He man. is. A, he's,
0: yeah, he's a good stand-up fighter, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but this is where we're going to find out. Fazeev looks the part. He fights the part. But are his kicks as hard and as powerful as we're making them out to be, John? I know he's got the Muay Thai, the Tiger, you know, Muay Thai, uh, what Tiger Muay Thai? Like he was one of the coaches there. You know, he is one of the coaches there, or something along those lines. But is the power behind them enough, like a Jose Aldo's, where his leg kicks you see after two or three, they have an effect. They're changing the dynamic of how that fighter fights. I didn't see that against Bobby Green. I didn't. I haven't seen that just yet with him. I'm not discrediting his standup at all, and no way am I doing that. I'm just simply saying that will his kicks have the same power? Now, his, he's got nice little sneaky-ass elbows. His boxing and his kicks are, are hidden well behind each other beautifully. All of that, the style of it all looks fucking phenomenal. But you know as well as I know, some people have the crack and some people don't. You can look the part, doesn't mean that you are the part. And that's the thing. So I agree that he is talented, and I love watching him fight. I love the way he throws his his combinations. But will they have the same effect? And will will Brad Riddle be able to walk through it all and touch him up and piece him up a little bit, put so much pressure where he's not able to get off those combinations?
0: It's exactly what you're saying. You can go back and you look at the fight, the, the last fight that Brad had against Dober. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, just a war, and that's what I love about watching this fight. You know both guys that go to war because that fight that Fazeev had with Bobby Green that last round, look, after putting it on Bobby for two rounds, he was starting to take some shots, and some heavier shots, and he was still, you know, he's biting down and he was going after it, so I don't care who wins this. You know, I, I like both guys. I just think that this is going to be... I think this is fight of the night. I think this is one that's going to be just outstanding.
1: You know, uh, I I would probably agree with you, but the thing is, though, with Clay Guida on the card, he just always seems to find a way to make sure his fights are super exciting. (laughs) So I'm not going to really count him out on the whole fight of the night situation because no matter what, win or lose, he comes out and is always trying to get the win. You know, um, the only time he never, the only time he didn't do that was against Gray Maynard where he ran the whole damn time and it just fucking pissed me off.
0: Yeah, that was ugly Cause,
3: as
1: hell. Because I was cornering Gray in that fight. <laughs> so I was like, Gray was having a fucking panic attack in the corner. I was like, calm down, you're winning, calm down. He's like, he won't fucking fight me. Oh man, he was so pissed. Anyways, uh, Clay Guida and uh, Leonardo Santos. Yeah. You know, Clay is just a dog. He's going to keep coming forward. He's, I mean, but how much longer do you think he's going to do this, John?
0: Clay's so the, gonna do it forever. Till so the wheels fall off? <laughs> Just till the wheels fall off. Jesus, man. You know, he likes it. He loves it. And he's still a you know, he's still getting his wins. His last fight was a win. And so yeah. you take a look and you go, I mean, could he pull it? He could pull the pin at any time, and people would be very respectful of the career that he's had. But I think that, you know, he's in that position. he, he doesn't accept near as much punishment as people think. You know, he, he's pretty elusive. He doesn't, you know, yeah. he bobs his head a lot. You see the hair flopping all around. But he's just a junkyard dog. I, and I've always, you know, he's he's the carpenter. And he just goes to work. Yeah, And, you know, he, he brings his tools. And what his tools may not be the best tools, but he's going to get the job done with them. And that's what I love about Clay. And God bless him as a fighter. And if this is his last fight, fantastic. If it's not, that's okay. He's just a good guy as good a guy as you'll find in the sport it's the class act i want
1: everyone to understand this okay and i'm i'm gonna hit up clay now i think now that i've thought about this clay you owe me some of your percentage man of all your fight purses man i made your <laughs> career buddy i made your career you're the reason why you got it i'm the reason why you got it in the UFC. i got a lot of love for you brother so keep doing what you're doing tip my hat to you you're continuing to fight keep putting on great fights and uh but i want my two percent i want that's not a lot two percent <laughs> take one no yeah you know i can renegotiate one on. and a half i say two percent for the first year we'll go to one and a half after that now we'll talk now hey brother good luck
0: man uh what other fights on this car really get you going oh well you know they had brian Barberina on it but then they had it yeah i don't know if he's going to end up with a fight or not so it's one of those you look and you go i love brian Barberina. he's just a dog his fight against Vicente Luque was one of the best fights. If you want to you want to get somebody yeah. hooked on MMA, watch the Vicente Luque versus Brian Barbarina fight. Just amazing how tough that dude is. <clears throat> I mean, he always comes out, horrible haircut, big old beard, and man, he comes to fight. I, I will watch that guy anytime. He's he's one of those guys when you sit there and you you talk about, you know, fighters that peep, nobody knows. But every time he steps in there, he puts on a show. He puts on a performance. Win or lose. And I will always watch that man fight. That's a guy that's fun to fight. The other one I think is actually going to be a good fight is Brendan Allen's taking off Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis coming back really fast. But uh, Brendan Allen is really looking good right now. He went to Sanford MMA. He seems to have found a home there. He's hit a groove. And we'll see if Chris Curtis can make it two in a row. You know. He had a big win in his last one. This would be even bigger. Yeah, huge win, huge win.
1: Look, I look at a couple fights on here with Manel Cop, a Cape Cop, however you want to say it, because I heard uh, some of the commentators say Cop, but I mean cape, cape, whatever. Anyways, so anyways, Manel Cape. Look, he's he's coming off of his win, right? Can you click on him? He had the win, but he had the loss. I think right before that, where he just wasn't pulling the trigger. I think in his last fight, he pulled the trigger. He got it done. Yep, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. But then, you know, he had the two decisions, like the very first decision loss against Pantoja. He should have won that fight. He could have won that fight. He just didn't pull the trigger. And then in his decision split, same very, very similar situation where he just stuck and moved and thought he was winning, but he wasn't. And then lost that fight. Uh, the flying knee and the punches, that's the type of fight he needs to fight. He needs to be explosive. Use his tools. Use his weapons. Look, you lose again, they're going to start thinking, okay, look, let's just push this thing aside. Let's just have you fight. You know, you'll know, you be on the prelims. You'll be exciting here and there every once in a while. They're going to start looking at you that way. You don't want to do that. okay? So you want to be the fighter that goes out there and uses your athleticism, your wrestling, your stand-up, all of those things and those tools that you have, all the great attributes that you're blessed with. He's got to use them. And he's got to make sure that everyone understands how damn dangerous he can be. And don't just stay on the outside. And, and fight cautiously because that's not you, that you can't fight that way. You are too damn good to be fighting that way. And so if he fights an explosive fight, I think he gets to fight. I think he gets the fight done. He's one of those guys that I think if, the, if I'm the UFC promotion, I'm looking at you going like, look, we brought you in to be dynamic, to be explosive. And if you're not going to be that, I'm not saying we're gonna get rid of you, but we're also not just gonna we're just we're not gonna to try to build you. So he's gotta get this, he's gotta get a good win on this, potentially a finish. If he gets a decision, that's fine, but he's gotta make sure that he owns the 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 decision. He's gotta dominate from top to beginning. Top to top to the end. Top to bottom, top to bottom. There you go. One of those things. Jeez. One of those things. <laughs> back to back to the card. I also look at another person on the city. Alonso
0: Minifield versus yeah, William man. Knight. You wanna talk about War of the Gargantuas. You wanna yeah. talk about the incredible Hulk taking on Iron Man. This is the fight. These two guys are built like brick shit houses and they're both tough as hell. They both come to bang. This is gonna be a fun fight to watch. These guys are just both powerful, strong. Whoever decided to put these this matchup, my hat's off to you. This is a fun one. Dave,
1: pull up the card again, please. I'm just starting to wonder if you're paying attention to the talking conversation at all because somebody's <laughs> way behind. Um, somebody else that I know and who I think uh is very talented but just hasn't been able to get it done is Mallory Martin. So she's come down. She used to train at AKA. She was here for a little bit, but she's fighting Cheyenne. Is it buys or yeah, buys? Cheyenne buys. Cheyenne buys. Okay, yeah, so because I thought I heard it said another way as well. I don't want to butcher probably have those names. So, but Mallory needs to get it done. I think she's coming off of a loss. She had she had a close win, or maybe she's coming off two losses. She had a win and then two losses. Click on Mallory for me. Dave, try to follow along, okay, please? I'm right here. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, I can only mention someone's name seven times before you finally say, hey, you want to click on it? So, look, uh, yeah, so she's coming off of a loss, but she had a win in the middle there, but she really needs to make sure she keeps the ball rolling or get the ball back on track, I should say, to get it moving back towards uh, more wins. Got a lot of love for her. She's a good wrestler. She's talented. She's got, I think, some of the the big moments, though, she's missed. Like, she gets in there in the big moment and just, I think the lights kind of have a little bit of an effect on her. I think she's got the talent to go ahead and get to the next level. She just got to not let the lights and all this stuff get around her. I think she can do it. I'll pull up that card again for me, Dave. There we go, Dave. Look at that.
0: Is there anybody else on here? I think the, the, the other the other fight that's going to be actually fun to watch and it starts I think it's the second fight of the night Alex Morano against Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall, you know, first off Alex Morano, you know, second fight of the night. This is a guy that's taking on Cowboy Cerrone. got to win. This is the guy is he's a he's a gamer man. He, he doesn't look like a whole lot, but he can fight, and he's got a great ground game. And going against Mickey Gall, it's going to be interesting because somewhere along the way, that fight's going to end up on the ground. One of them may be hurt or not, but I think this is another fun matchup with Morano against Gall, and we'll see who's the guy that's going to come out on top. Mickey Gall has been looking really good. I thought he's he settled down. I really you know always looked and said, man, this guy's had a very tough road. When you, you know, the only easy fight he ever had was against freaking you know Phil, you know CM Punk, excuse me, <laughs> but um, that that was his only easy fight. Let's be honest. Well, he had I think. he... The first one he had was against Mike Jackson. Okay, not that not that bad a fight. That was his first fight in the UFC. And then he had Sage Northcut.
1: Sage Norcutt Norcut was a, was an easy fight.
0: No. At least Sage has some uh, athletic ability and stuff comparatively. John being a homer right now. I'll tell you. But no, I think this is a really yeah, in looking at what he's doing, he's uh he's coming along. Take a look. His last fight was a win. I, I see Mike Perry up there, but I know his last one was not a loss. Jordan Williams. There you go, Jordan Williams. You know, yeah. And that was a good win against Jordan, and uh, we'll see where he's at. Got it. All right. Well, that wraps up our UFC talk and our Bellator talk as well. We talked about the
1: triad and the recap on that. So hopefully, you guys enjoyed that. Dave, you have? Do we have some time for uh, one bit of news? Yep. Let's hop in and talk about, it and we can you know get in a bit of a deeper conversation about a fight that was announced over the weekend. Big fight. And I'll let you guys take it away. All right. Well, they they officially announced Islam Makachev versus Benil Dariush. Um, Khabib has some comments. He said, they right now, they deserve a fight for the title. Dariush and Islam, these these two guys are better than Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje. It's just my opinion. Well, Khabib, you're right. It is just your opinion. But you are kind of on track. You know, he is kind of... Maybe they are better right now at this moment. I can't say they're better ah, than Dustin Poirier. Stop. Ah,
0: I, yeah, there let,
1: you let me give it there. I can't okay. say they're better than Dustin Poirier. The reason why I say this, though, is Khabib, he trains with Islam. He's fought Dustin, and I think he understands it. And without being a homer, I think he understands that the tools that Islam brings that will nullify whatever Dustin does. Whatever issues that Khabib had with Dustin during that moment with those fights – I think he understands that Islam is better than him in all those areas. Now, I can understand. Now, as far as Justin Gaethje, he's fought him as well. Khabib has. And he's, and I think, I mean, we already have seen the wrestling itself will not be a factor. Islam is the better wrestler. And I got a lot of flack over the fact that I said this Dagestani, Russian style, Sambo style wrestling is not like American wrestling. People criticize me and then just like, I think even Luke Thomas talked about it with Brendan Schaub on one of the shows that they had did together. And it's basically, I was vindicated by saying, look what happened. you know, And in that type of wrestling, Khabib's wrestling was more dominant. Islam's wrestling is just as good. It's a different style of wrestling that is going to throw Justin
0: Gaethje off
1: if they were to fight. Now, I can't speak a whole lot on oh. Benil Dariush. What? You got something to say on that?
0: Yeah, well, I, I do. I, I'm going to say here's your difference. I'm not saying that Islam is not very good with his wrestling. He is. I'm not saying that he's maybe not just as good as Khabib in that area. What I am going to say is, and you can say whatever you want. I can prove it in fights in watching them. There's a difference in their mentalities. And that's where Khabib has it way over Islam. Khabib walked through Justin Gaethje, walked through him. I mean, he did something that no other fighter has ever done to Justin. He put Justin on his back foot and then his other back foot. And he had Justin exhausted from moving backwards trying to throw shots and had a guy that was just walking through his shots. No one had done it. Can Islam do that? I don't know. I don't know that he can. And that's the difference. Here here Go ahead. I get what you I get what you're saying.
1: I get what you're saying. Islam, though, is someone that can shoot from five feet away, snatch a single and suck him up because he's so much stronger than Khabib. And I'm not, I know, look, and I'm splitting hairs here. Like what I mean by so much stronger, when you're talking the top 1% of fighters, okay, which is Islam and Khabib and Justin, he is, when you're talking about Khabib and him, when I say so much stronger, it's like 2%. Maybe he's 2% stronger. That 2% though is, is huge Huge. when you're talking the 1% of the top fights i top fighters. He he will grab the single. He will suck it up, and when he gets to that position, he's going for a ride. And we saw how easy it was for Khabib to get the takedown. And when he got the one takedown, it became easier and easier. And that's what I think is gonna. That's what's gonna happen. I think again to Justin Gage if he was to fight Islam. I can't speak on Benil Dariush at all because Benil is someone who is so well rounded. So is Islam, but Islam knows what his bread and butter is. I can't tell you what Benil Benil Dariush's what his bread and butter is because he's so damn good everywhere he's got good good stand-up but it's wild and crazy and leaves himself open he's got good jujitsu, but he sometimes will make mistakes and put himself on bottom he's good off of his back and he's good at getting up but will that will he be able to do that against someone like islam the other thing is khabib islam dariush all of these guys at some point in time I believe, I don't know this for 100%, but I believe that they have all kind of trained. When they do the dominance MMA events, when they do like these big press conferences and all this stuff, you mean to tell me that none of these guys have trained together? There's a little bit of that they know. A little bit of that they know, you know? And so I think in this in these terms, like I think Darius has a, a, be, a better chance than most at beating Islam because he is so wild and crazy he throws shots from different angles. Awkward. He yeah. yeah, he's awkward. It's going to be that's going to be a tough task for him. Someone like a Dustin Poirier, Poirier however you want to say his name. People keep giving me a hard time the way I say it. Worry someone about like it. a Dustin Poirier and somebody like a Justin Gaethje that are very straightforward fighters, okay? They come forward, straight combinations, kicks, sure they threaten the submissions. They're a lot easier to figure out than someone like a Darius Okay? Like a Tony Ferguson was so hard to deal with because everything came from weird angles. Things were jumping elbows, jumping punches, rolling, roll away, d- double leg, takedown defenses, shit like that. Those are people that are hard to deal with. Darius doesn't have quite that kind of craziness that Tony does, but he throws things from different angles. He, he'll he roll for submissions. He'll do those things that will, po- will pose a problem for Islam because Islam will not, You really they really don't train with guys like that that will do crazy, funky stuff. You know they will, they 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 can, they just don't. It's not in their, it's not in their, their repertoire of stuff that they do. You know what I mean? So that I think is this fight. I think is gonna be one of the best fights of the year because of this, uh, because of this type of interaction between the two of them. One is very, very good wrestler. One is very good submissions. One's got, he's got good stand up. You know, Dariush is. Wild and crazy, and does things from different angles, and is good off of his back as well as good as on top. But he leaves himself open, so it will make for a very fun fight.
0: It will. It's, it's a great matchup, and and again, I, you know, we talked about it. I think it puts whoever is the winner of this in a position. Like if they could almost jump that line. They can call out Justin Gaethje and say, "Hey, no, 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 you don't get the next shot. Look, let us you and I let's go now, and then we'll see who gets the next shot." So it's a way of cutting the line. I think Dariush will probably just wait for his title shot and nice. Justin and just have Justin
1: just fight for the title next just and be too like nice. I'll just wait I'll just wait <laughs> if just Islam wins nice. if Islam wins he calls him out he says Justin hey let's just settle this let's just you and I fight before we fight for the title we both just fought around the same time okay this title fight's coming up here shortly both of us have just fought I think that's why so Izl how took much, this fight how so close. much will
0: Ali get in the way of that since he manages both of them I don't think he will you don't think he will. No, I think, you don't in think this, he'll be making calls no. saying, Hey, then you know what? Let's just do this and we're gonna make no. money at it.
1: No, I don't think he will. No, I think I really believe when it comes down to these type of situations, Ali just says, Look, if you wanna fight and you wanna fight, then you guys need to fight. That's it. Like, I'm just here to be, like, I've already done my contract negotiations when it comes time for you guys to, for your contract negotiations for you guys' big paydays. Now, when it comes down to you two fighting, I can negotiate the terms in terms of it being a, a main event, in terms of it being a pay-per-view, whatever it is. But I don't think he gets in the way of those type of things. He understands that he's got, he's got the best stable fighters right now in the whole game. You know, if you talk about the top fighters in the game, he's got a lot of them under his, under his uh, management. And so in that case, he's got to understand. I think he does understand, and these fighters need to understand, he really just needs to just stay out of the way and let the chips fall. Because if the UFC calls and says, hey, we want Justin Islam, he's going to go, I prefer not to. I'd like to have them both fight for the title. <laughs> yeah, You know, I prefer not to. But he also understands Dana White. Dana's like, I need that fight. That fight needs to headline something because I need. maybe I need something to headline on this date, on this time. And I have I have things I got to get done, and that's that's how the UFC needs to work. They want, they run like an organization that needs to to put on fights, and that's that's all they got to do. So if he says, "Hey, I need Justin, I need Islam to fight," because let's just, what happens if Oliveira and and Dustin Poirier are a great fight, and then they want to run it back, true? Then what? Like you you can't wait on that. So too it's many like scenarios, of too many scenarios to do. But I think that what's his name ends up. I think Islam ends up beating Dariush. It's going to be a fun fight. It's going to be better than most people expect. It's going to be a good fight. But I think if after that, if Islam wins, I think he calls out Justin. If Dariush wins, I think he lets Justin have the title shot, and he slides in right behind for the next title shot. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap us up today. Make sure you guys go to prowrestlingtees.com slash weighing in. Use that promo code and still. And you guys can pick up one of our plethora of shirts that hopefully you guys enjoy. We've got the Karate Kid one. We've got the Home Improvement one. We've got a bunch of other ones that are up there in all different colors. Hopefully you guys enjoy this show. And make sure you guys hit the link down below that will take you to our Clips channel for our Wayne Interjection show that we only do on our Wayne In Extra channel there. So check that out. John. Take us off the air, buddy.
0: I just want to tell everyone thank you for tuning in. Thank you to the amazing Kayla Harrison for talking to the punk. And I I know that's tough on her. And we will see you guys.